listen to podcast suck at infinity war uh, also we have here. we have with us christian murnowski to to talk about this uh actually uh, i i've heard it be known as wapner definitely wapner this time wapner and uh <laughs> kelly one is there a tagline for this three by three or do we just throw it out there uh i made mistakes in drama i thought drama was when actors cried but drama is when the audience cries frank capra Oh jeez! Okay. He made grandpa movies that nobody watches anymore. That's that's that comment is no longer relevant, Kelly Wand. It's yeah, yeah. not so totally relevant. What? <laughs> that's, that's totally no, dramatic but... irony that he brought that up. Um, no, I like that quote actually. All right, maybe do you have maybe next time get something <laughs> that somebody said within the last twenty years? Uh, <laughs> you want to make the audience suffer as much as possible, Alfred Hitchcock. Wait, that was another 50 years. Too, also, huh? yeah, yeah. Do you have something that, like, Alexandra Aja said? Or maybe, uh, I don't know, the Russo brothers. What have they said uh, about uh, movie making? Zack Snyder said famously, <laughs> fuck audiences. There you go, Kelly. Well, now we're relevant. Now <laughs> you've, you've, you've got your, your hand on the pulse of America, Kelly Wand. Very nice. That's Hollywood. He is a visionary. <laughs> He's got his hand on the pulse of America. Is that what you just said? Kelly Wan does, yeah. Kelly Wan, take your hand off the pulse of America. You're blocking the blood flow. Your thumb has its own pulse. Don't do that. All right. Well, before we talk about this this three by three of movies that you want to watch with someone and why you're watching this movie and what you guys both think of it, uh, let's talk about what movies you guys have seen with or without people lately. Uh. Kelly Wan, you're the one who forgot that you had to bring this up, so let's start with yeah. me and Dinkus. Yeah, to give you more time to think about a movie you might have seen. Time won't help, Tom, but yes. <laughs> Dinkus, what's a movie that you saw this week? All right, here's a quote from it. Uh, later I found out that everybody eats spaghetti the exact same way, the exact same way, the exact same way. That made me very upset, very upset. Why did you watch that? What do you mean? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> what is this? Man, I just right? heard What'd you say? Is it Rain Man? No. Nope. Oh. No, but that's what made me. That's why I did Wapner because this this moment where he talks like this made me think of Rain Man. See, he tricked you, Tom. So because Dingus' so normal I, uh, voice is too much like Rain Man. Somebody once said that uh, I ate spaghetti the same way my dad ate spaghetti. Oh, know? gummo! It's gummo. And. Later, I found out that everybody eats spaghetti the exact same way, the exact same way, the exact same way, and that made me very upset, very upset. Yeah, it's Gummo where the guy eats spaghetti in the bathtub. That's the kid saying that, Tom, yeah. in your mind? Okay. Yep. That's the dialogue. I, I've actually never seen it, but I'm sure that that's, that's something that he would say. It'll kind of turn you off spaghetti forever. But no, and, I've seen it. And it'll, it'll turn you off Harmony Corinne. What? No, it uh, turns me on to him. Spring Breakers kind of turns me off. At so. least finally you figured out that Harmony Corinne is a dude, Kelly Wand. I'll give you that. Yeah, good job. All right, Spring so Dingus, I don't know. What's what's this movie? Uh, How to Eat Pasta. Is that the name of the movie? Uh, no, it's also How to Bite Your Arm. And the quote from that would be, do you understand that uh, 
that do you understand it's metaphorical my example it's a metaphor okay i haven't seen this all right it's it's from a movie called the killing of a sacred deer oh i have seen this <laughs> and i'm, I'm surprised Dingus, are you sh- aren't you shocked that we wouldn't remember nonsense dialogue from uh a largo what's his name yanthamos largos yanthamos movie my yes. next guess is going to be lady in the tramp by the way but he <laughs> we did it he saw the movie we said wasn't for him the the new one so right tom this is our whatever you call it je ne sais quoi throwdown this is this is your dunkirk starring barry keok what if tom hanks had a b on his name and it was tomb hanks <laughs> Okay, Dinkus, thoughts on killing the sacred deer? <laughs> uh, I don't really, I don't know what to make of this movie, you guys. It's really, it really feels, Uh-oh. it's so weird. It is so weird, and I'm, you both, you both have seen it, obviously. Right. Um, it, yeah, I watched it with Kieran. Okay. We, and then we, uh, we wrote out the script, and then we acted it out using no inflection whatsoever whenever we spoke. Spaghetti. It really feels like this entire script was written by E.E. E. Cummings, or it was. It just it feels like there's no inflection whatsoever in whatever the actors say. It feels like an experimental movie, mm-hmm. and it's so weird to watch. Um, the only things that that leap out are there are there a couple of moments where where he can't quite hold his English a- or his American accent when he's having to be in scenes with um, Colin Farrell. Uh, which is which is quite cute. I mean, he calls him he says the word fodder once, uh, which I thought was really, instead of father. Uh, and he and he messes up his. But and, and that's understandable. I don't care about that kind of thing. But other than that, it's just so weirdly um, one notey as far as the way they read all of their lines and the way they do all of their dialogue. It's such a strange movie, and it's so hard to digest what the movie is about. Uh, only seeing at one time. I think it's a movie that bears repeat viewings. I don't. I. I think you. You are probably right that it's not necessarily a movie for me, and that I found the resolution pretty frustrating. Um, but there are still things I really liked about it. I like the kids in it. Uh, I liked Colin Farrell. I liked Nicole Kidman. Uh, it feels very much like this strange amalgam of of Stanley Kubrick and Terrence Malick, um, just with the way that the camera's moving down the hallways and the way it feels like they're just reciting poetry and 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 talking about ideas in certain play in certain ways, without like real character motivation for the lines in the way that a that a more melodramatic that a that a more that a director who would let me try to put this correctly that a director who had a more sort of standard melodramatic way of telling the story would tell it. And I never saw the movie rabbit hole, uh, but I imagine that. Yeah. Good for you. Why would you do that? (laughs) Well, I didn't because you basically told me don't see that movie, but I imagine like that kind of like overdraw, overdraw, over dramatization of these lines would ruin the movie, but still it's so strangely, um, flatliney uh, as far as the way that they say all of their lines and there's no inflection in so many things that they say um, and there are a couple just weird moments like when 
when they go to the window in the hospital and the girl sees him out there in the parking lot and the mom doesn't. And I mean, it really, it's a movie that really messes with your brain in a lot of different ways. And it doesn't explain itself at the end, which is usually something I really, really like, but it also leaves me wanting to know what the, what the freak is going on in this movie. Um, so, so let me just say it, it it inspires thought, but it's really, it's a really frustrating movie for me. It's really frustrating. But you've seen Lobster, and I thought you even saw Dogtooth, right? Like, you, you know what this guy's yeah, doing. Yeah. yeah, I know what he's doing, and I loved Lobster. Um, but I think I saw Lobster a couple of times before we actually did the podcast. And I think this might be a movie that, for me, uh, because of my limitations, um, might just be a movie that I need to see more than once to really get. I don't know. Well, not, personal- I, I did not not like it. It's just that I found it really hard to digest. All right, I'm calling victory on this, Kelly Wand, in that I think we're now finding out it's not for dingus. Yeah. So there. It might not be because – It's not. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no. it's a, and, and as you would – you know, what, what he's doing is uh, – and I think Dogtooth is probably where he does this most clearly, and I don't even – I may have never seen Dogtooth, but it's all about deconstruction, where the, the, the text, the surface level, is completely devoid of meaning, so that it's all right. entirely subtext. It's surfacing the subtext and deconstructing language to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, the lobster does it to tell this absurdist story about love. Uh, Dogtooth, I think, is about like rearing kids. It is, um, and, and this is—I mean, it's—they're very much parenting movies. Both of these are parenting movies. I mean, Dogtooth is, was very frustrating too, but I got where it was going. And anyway, I think go killing, ahead, sorry. killing, well, killing of a sacred deer is that same kind of thing. But I would say, and I don't know if you, Kelly, what, what genre would you put Killing of a Sacred Deer in? Awesome. <laughs> I, I would, you know, we we had a di- discussion. Um, what movies were we talking about? Uh, where we were talking about. I, I was questioning whether something was a horror movie. Right. And uh, I think, I think it was a quiet place. And I think this is a horror movie um, because of something that you said when I was questioning uh, uh, a quiet place. And you were talking about how a thriller um, – I forget how you put it. Maybe you can just say it again. A, th- a thriller makes you anticipate something, and uh, a horror Sick movie thing. makes you dread it. Well, that's, And this that's movie what... is full of dread. Yeah, and and that's why I think he's deconstructing. It's like Sophie's Choice. It's like Sophie's Choice is a horror movie. Yeah, and and that's why I think he's deconstructing uh, a horror movie in this. Is it's a, it's a moral dilemma. It's kind of a thought experiment, uh, a moral dilemma that uh, in Sophie's Choice is a good analog dingus uh, that nobody should be put through, uh, and and it would you know it, it gets at the fear of what if what if you had to make the decision that Colin Farrell has to make, and that by the way he's too cowardly to make. Like yeah, I think exactly. The, and I think the conclusion of that is. That's a decision nobody could make and nobody should make and nobody can make. Uh, it is a Sophie's Choice, and I think it's this horror movie deconstruction of that kind of Sophie's Choice uh, dilemma. It's also the, the way, I wish I could remember, but the week I saw Killing of a Sacred Deer, shoot, what was it? I saw another movie yeah. that was all. It was the same kind of premise, but it was just a straight up horror movie. I can't remember what it was, and I remember thinking. Uh, it would make a great double feature because Killing of a Sacred Deer does this effectively, mm. and it was the same kind of revenge. Well, this is a spoiler. It's the same kind of revenge thing, where somebody's right. getting revenge, and, and it's, it's almost a supernatural. No, it was a bit no, no, no. That's not that. I know. I, 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 it's a, I, I know what you're talking about, but I can't get the title either. 
we might have even done a podcast on it. But uh, but at any rate, so I think that's one of the reasons it's not for you, Dingus, is it's it's it, it is a horror movie about something that would be way horrific to you in a way that it's not to Kelly Wand and I necessarily. Uh, and he's just deconstructing at it and deconstructing it and looking at it from a really weird perspective that, uh, you know, even if you liked lobster, I could see this, this might not work for someone. Well, it, I don't know that it doesn't work for me, but it's really painful to watch because, um, because of what, what the main character is going through in not understanding and not knowing exactly what he's going through. And he's a, he's a, he's a man of, uh, of precision. He's a man who has studied, he's an intelligent person and he's in control, but he has no explanation for this. And, and the, and the director, um, doesn't give us any explanation for it either. He really doesn't. And, that's really frustrating when you're dealing with this particular issue for a parent, uh, not having any explanation for this. And, you know, it's also a very personal issue for me because, you know, my kid had to go through uh, open heart surgery when he was nine months old. And the guy and this guy is a is a cardiologist. And there's a bargaining ha- that happens with Bob, his son, where Bob, his son, is is trying to sway him at the last minute and say, you know, I want to be a cardiologist. I don't want to do what you know, mom does. I want to do what you do, dad. And there's this weird bargaining thing that happens and, an, an, and a reverse bargaining thing that happens with the daughter. I mean, all these things are really fascinating, but also ultimately terrifying, not just because of the choice, but also because of the unknown. There's so much that's unknown in this movie, and I know that he's doing that on purpose, um, and I think ultimately that's the right way to go, but it's really hard to watch because of that. Uh, I think it was Jigsaw, by the way, that I'm thinking of, <laughs> where he, wow. you know, he, he kidnaps people and puts them in these <laughs> contrived situations, and then they later find out it's because of some misdeed that oh, they committed okay. a long time ago. All right. It's, All right. it's like what we did by making Dingus watch it. We were Jigsaw. And- <laughs> <laughs> This was our death trap. But I, did you like that setup, Dingus? Like you're, you can be fooled by good techniques for film. What do you mean that setup? Just like when you're first seeing the kid and you're like, how the fuck are these two related? Because it's not his yeah. kid. You find, well, you find that out. And their dynamic's really weird. And the movie's weird. And they're all weird without each other. So you're like, <laughs> like you don't have any anchorage for like judging from body language or line ratings what their character dynamics are. And so you have to like figure it out as it goes. Well, I, I like the setup mainly because of the casting of Barry Keoghan. And yeah. I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly. I think you just um, ignore the G. I think it's just Kean. Like it's just Kean. Right. I think so. Yeah. Um, he's just got such a great affect about him and he, mm-hmm. and he does it ab- absolutely perfectly in this. Uh, and, and you don't know what that, what, what the hell is going on. Is he the illegitimate kid? And then he invites him over to dinner and they're like, okay, well, like, that can't be it. And it, it does this really slow, slow, slow build to get to where it's going, which I really appreciate in a movie. I mean, I do mm-hmm. love that. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, again, this WTF kind of feel like, what, who is this kid? Why, why is he buying him a watch? Why has he changed the band for the watch? How is this happening? What's going on with this kid? And he's just got such a weird affect about him. And Barry Kean, if we're going to say that that's how you say his name, that's fine with me. Uh, 
he he plays it so well without doing anything. I mean, yeah. nobody's really doing anything as actors, but they just have such great presence. All of them. Yeah, how do you direct actors presence. to say that? Well, I think you just cast them. I mean, this is really masterful casting, and then the director kind of getting out of the way and and probably do, probably saying do less, do less, do less, do less. Uh, and it, and that's right. really frustrating sometimes uh, because of that's that weird sort of Terrence Malick sort of. I'm just going to recite poetry, and I'm not going to have any inflection, and I'm just going to say every line in the same way, and it's going to be like well. We're going to do whatever we're going to do with every line, um, but it's it's the fact that these actors are so right for these things, and and they just have such rich faces, and Colin Farrell's face is full of hair, and uh, there are just so many weird little touches that I mean I you know I have to say that talking about it makes me like it more, but I, I it was really a frustrating movie to watch. It was really frustrating, but I don't so did, I don't we didn't murder you. I don't think frustrating is a bad thing necessarily. Um, I just found it frustrating. Uh, I pretended that they were their beguiled characters. Did you at all? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny that you mentioned that because I am uh, like like Colin Farrell and Barry Keehan uh, and certainly like Rachel Weiss and the lobster. Certain people, I think it's almost like working with with Mamet uh, or with very yeah. stylized writers. Certain people really get it and really tap into it. And I didn't feel that Nicole Kidman was one of those. She was fine. And Dingus, you mentioned her presence, and that was mm-hmm. certainly there. And maybe that was kind of part of the point. Um, because her character's of, tricky, though. Her character's <laughs> tricky, but so is I mean, so is pretty much anything that Yorgos Lanthimos writes. That that whole technique True. is tricky. And I feel that certain actors really get it. And I'm not sure that I would include Nicole Kidman in that. It's like watching somebody. It's like it's like watching somebody do Quentin Tarantino or David Mamet monologue or dialogue when that's not their thing. Uh, and she's fine. She's a great actress. But it's why I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that oh yeah, they were together in The Beguiled because Colin Farrell just sinks into that Yorgos Lanthimos style mm-hmm. so effectively. Yeah. Uh, I just kept thinking about Birth whenever she would come on. I mean, because she was doing that same sort of stricken like. Right. It's hard for her to hold back like that. You might be right. Like she's just a really expressive actress. And the biggest surprise for me was that Alicia Silverstone. I know, right? <laughs> I kept looking at her and going, "Is that no? Why do I? Is yeah, that? why does she? Why does she look familiar? What do I know her from? Yeah, and her teeth are all a little weird, and she's just a she's just a little off. Yeah. Uh, and she just allows herself to be that way after like being this super hottie in earlier movies uh, and good for her for doing that but she pulls it off um, but it was weird to see Alicia Silverstone show up it's weird, weird that she read that and went oh I want to be this character this is the one or maybe he well, found her I don't know I don't think I don't think she gets to choose that at this point yeah, I think he says it's not how uh, auditions work <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's um, true well, in this case, but I mean, did he did he think of her first when he was writing it, or oh, you know, or did somebody say, hey. but now I don't know. I liked Kidman, I think, more. I, I liked her just fine. I thought she had, and I mean, it, there was also a weird eyes wide shut kind of a thing that was going on for me in the in the whole like anesthesia, the, the anesthesiologist kind of sex scene thing yeah. that they did. Um, there was this weird uh, eyes wide shut feeling that 
that she carried forward for me because I also because I already said there's a there's a Kubrick vibe to it. Um, so I don't know who else I would put in this, Tom, but I guess of everybody in it, maybe she's the weakest link. But I don't I don't dislike her in it. I, I would say like what the reason I say that is I can't think of anybody in the lobster who kind of stands out like that, like everybody in the lobster really nailed what Yorgos Lanthimos was trying to do and just the weird tone. And they felt, and this is kind of an oxymoron to say this, but it's really how it comes across. They felt comfortable with how stilted it was. Uh, Uh, And I never quite got that sense with Nicole Kidman. And again, maybe that's part of what's going on with her character. I'm sure that Yorgos Lanthimos. I think it is. Yeah. Well, I I also imagine that it, it was a huge coup for him to get her. I mean, she is she's a, oh. enough of a name that even if she's not doing the kind of thing that he got from Rachel Weiss, he would still cast her anyway. Um, so I, I don't know. I she she was fine. It worked for me. It's just she stood out in a way that nobody in the Lobster stood out for me. Everybody in the Lobster just fit perfectly into what what he was doing here. Uh, Nicole Kidman didn't quite fit. She has and the it, weirdest arc in the movie, though. Like she, she has does to do the weirdest thing. And I also suspect too, um, like I wonder if she is the kind of actor that, because of her level of success and her her history and the amazing movies she's done, that a new director just can't really direct. Uh, like Yorgos Lanthimos, I think he's Greek. This is his probably second English language production. Uh, you know, when Nicole Kidman comes on the set, I I wonder if maybe he just can't even deign to try to tell her. Intimidator. Uh, that's just not how she works. Like that's she's a celebrity, uh, and so in, so is Colin Farrell, by the way, to his credit. Uh, you know, I I just wonder if he obviously the kind of stuff that he does requires a lot of input from a director because an actor has to do something very different. And I don't know if maybe he just didn't have that kind of rapport with her. Uh, I don't know. I don't mean it to come across as critical, as I'm saying. I just sort of feel like she stood out a little bit. I like that, though, because I saw it as misdirection because she actually is like, oh, it's Nicole Kidman, and she's acting kind of like Nicole Kidman a little bit. What is this movie going to lobster out, or is is she going to be – like what she – I don't know. The way she goes, I wasn't expecting at all. And and that was how the movie seemed to be working in other areas. Um, the, so I kind of took it yeah. as a deliberate choice. That's, that's kind of a good point, Kelly. And I didn't think of it this way until you just said it. Um, they have a weird sexual chemistry. Uh, you know, in, in that in that weird, you know, I forget what the word is about, like general anesthesia or what. You know where she flops on the bed. Yeah, and then love the that. I love my when she goes. Uh, we can always have another kid. <laughs> I really yeah, like. Yeah, and she, and she talks about like we scene. can do. You, you, we can do. Uh, I forget what the term is for uh, getting eggs implanted. Yeah, uh, we can do that. Yeah. You know, if we have to. IVF. Um, Sorry. IVF. Thank you. Um, but then he's in the room with. Uh, uh, with Alicia Silverstone, and I think th- there's this there's this weird sexual dynamic, and but he's also such a cold fish uh, right. in so many weird ways that I mean, I mean, I th- I just think the way that you put that was really interesting because of their sexual ca- their sexual dynamic. Yeah, and he's so gonna do it like this, like he's there's no he's way different from his lobster character, and up until she goes, we can 
you always have another kid. She's you're going, oh, she's going to be pissed off and she's going to figure it out. Like she goes to the Alicia Silverstone's house and all that. And you think that that's going to be her character for the rest of the movie, at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Right. Like I was thrown off by that line in a good way. And it was kind of reminding me in, in The Beguiled where the kids all, I know where we can find some mushrooms and her face changes expression because they're thinking, oh. like, oh, we're screwed. I hate this guy. Fuck, what have we done? And then suddenly she, there's this calculating look in her eye. And uh, I don't know. It's like she kind of trick, tricks me, tricks us something. Sandbags. Okay. Sandbags aces. All right. Quite all right. Well, that's what I watched this week, Killing of a Sacred Deer. So thank you guys. All right, Kelly Wand, have you thought of something you've seen, or should I go first? Do you want to go first? I have something, but you can. All right, what you, well, no, I'll, I'll go. I'll go ahead and go. Give you more time to think about what you saw. So, uh, you, you remember how before Assassinations of Jesse James, we weren't really that into Casey Affleck. Uh, Dingus before Snow White, I imagine you really weren't that into Kristen Stewart. Uh, <laughs> now uh, she's Brando. She's Brando now. Uh, me, you guys are, are well acquainted with my new fondness for Taylor Kitsch out of Lone Survivor. And uh, Waco, uh, I just saw a movie on Netflix called The Titan, starring Sam Worthington. And I got to say, <laughs> after seeing The Titan, I think I am convinced that was that Sam Worthington is is never going to have that happen to him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that will never be the case with Sam Worthington. He is the Jai Courtney of his generation. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yeah. The poor guy. Uh, do you guys know what the Titan is? I'm going to completely spoil it for you because it is so horrible. I need to do everything I can to make sure you don't see it. I like having reasons to not watch stuff. Okay, well, I'm going to save you at least 90 minutes. It felt like three hours. Dingus, but you, you always any- trick me into wanting to see stuff. Did you, you bring up Snow so White cool. just now? Uh, I did, yes, <laughs> or uh, whatever it was called. Snow White and Huntsman, did you bring that up? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, because the the girl in uh, the the daughter in um, Killing of a Sacred Deer was the young Snow White in Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, that's why I brought it up. Yeah, of course. I All right. Know. Good work, Tom. Everybody Good knows work. that, Dingus. Right. That's Tom's point. I think he's that's part that's of exactly where this was leading. Was right. That's yeah. why yeah. I watched Gosh, it. Darn it. Yeah. Uh, Dingus, do you know anything up. about the Titan? Does either of you know anything about a science fiction movie with Sam Worthington called The Titan? I have no idea now. Awesome. Kelly Wand, you don't know anything about it, right? I'm assuming it's about a condom. Why would you – no. It, no. Is that a condom? No. It's a game. I thought it was about somebody's home world that we – Very good, Dingus. Good. Dingus got it. Dingus got A-E. it. A-E. Mm. So one of the things, too, you will learn from watching The Titan – and recalling the oh yeah, Cloverfield Paradox is on Netflix. Netflix will pick up anything. They have right. no standards. <laughs> everything on everything I on Netflix. Something. Everything on Netflix should be suspect at this point. Because any 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 streaming service that is like, yeah, we're gonna put our logo in front of the Titan and the Cloverfield Paradox. Oh quality. <laughs> Steer clear. So okay, here's the premise of Titan. Uh, it starts out, and you're thinking, oh, okay, it's, this is Sam Worthington's Interstellar. And they establish that the, the world is falling apart, right? We can, uh-huh. the Earth can no longer sustain us. We've got to move out into the stars. And we don't know the specifics, <laughs> but Sam Worthington and his uh, wife, who uh, – Taylor Schiff, by the way. I like her so much. Uh, his wife, Taylor Schiff, and his little boy, Noah Jupe, 
who we saw <laughs> in a quiet place. This guy's getting a lot of work. Uh, they're being driven to some sort of like a compound or a, or a secret military base or something. And Sam Worthington's watching on his iPad the a news report about how L.A. is almost underwater and nobody can live there anymore. And, uh, so and, – and then they get to this place and they, they're those. shown their, their new house. And Sam Worthington points up to the sky and, and says to the little boy, see that star there? And the little boy's, yeah, is that where you're going? So I'm like, oh, Sam Worthington's going to be like an astronaut who's going to save humanity, right? Or the kid's an idiot. No, no, the kid has a point because Sam yeah. Worthington's like, well, yeah, you can't quite see it. but Sam, And we find out that Sam Worthington is uh, – like he is some kind of like astronaut. Or I forget. I forget what his qualifications are for this program. Um, or movie. They're, they're super loosey goosey about what it takes to qualify for this program. But the program well, it's is probably Chechnya or Afghanistan. It's not training, Dingus. It's not training because when they have the initial assembly of all the characters who are here for this program, it's a really motley crew. And one of the guys, uh, you know, it, some of them just clearly shouldn't be there because what this program <laughs> is. Is the planet Titan is is going to planet? It's a moon. Uh, the the, the oh, moon yeah. Saturn Titan. Oh, is, it's where uh. it's where humanity is going to relocate as the Earth is falling apart. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait a minute, you can't live on Titan. That's stupid. And no, you can't. But what if we genetically re-engineer people so they can survive on Titan? Right. That's a good idea. Yeah, and and actually, Kelly Wan, you're right. It is a cool premise, uh, but and the movie. Plus. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and the the thing is that as they uh, as they evolve, it's really it's a it's a werewolf movie, pretty much. And as they evolve, uh, they're called Homo Titanius. Like that's what uh, their 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 species is called. Um, uh, unobtainious. It is so terrible, though, you guys, because Kelly Wan, you're right. That's a cool script. This idea of colonizing the stars by rejiggering humanity rather than terraforming a planet—that is a cool concept. But yeah. the the first time director who did this movie, uh, I think his name is uh, William Ruff, R U F F. Get it? Uh, he, he had worked with uh, Sam Worthington on a, on the Unabomber miniseries, so I'm guessing that this guy sidled up to Sam Worthington at some point and was like, "Hey, I got this project about." You know, humanity relocating on Titan. Maybe you could take a look at it. Maybe you could be in it. Sam Worthington. You don't going seem in. quite human. <laughs> well, here's the deal. He has to. So, all the other people in the program start like reacting poorly to the genetic reengineering, and some of them die. Some of them freak out and go crazy and murder their spouses. Uh, you know, Taylor Schiff is super worried. Is this going to happen to my husband? You know, she's trying to make sure, be protective of Noah Jupe. Uh, <laughs> and as they're going through the program to show that they're becoming superhuman, you could imagine like all sorts of cool ways they could represent that. Here's what this movie does to show you how they're being rejiggered and how dramatically they're different. They get into the shallow end of a pool, like the three uh-huh. foot deep end of a pool, and they sit down in the pool. And then every now and then, there's underwater footage of them sitting down. The, the, the footage cuts to a clock that's counting up how long they're holding their breath, how long they can hold their breath underwater. And then it cuts back to it. It's just Sam Worthington just sitting there underwater. It's, you know, it's, like, it's like four or five it's seconds. It's not a water world, though. Of, but they're rejiggering them to be able to not need oxygen. The idea is that they can survive off of the nitrogen in their lungs because Titan has uh, – Kelly Wan, the science is sound in this movie. I don't know why you're bringing that up. The science is 100% airtight. In the you don't need water to hold your breath. <laughs> but you need to not inhale yeah. is the thing. Right. We're not, so we're not allowed to, you we're not not allowed to you go do. to Europa. So the movie's dramatically representing this by having Sam Worthington sit down in the shallow end of a pool. 
and then That's... cutting away to a clock every now and then so that we trust. And, you know, he obviously just stands up and gets a breath and then sits back down. And we're just supposed to take it for granted that, yes, he's been down there 30 minutes. No special effects for anything. It's just, ironically hey, apt. He's sitting underwater for, 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 for minutes on end. Um, and the, the, the boss of this program, uh, Tom Wilkinson. Who could not care less about being in this movie? He Similar is, name. Similar he name. So he's just so okay. I'm going to say this stupid line. He is. He's like Alec Guinness in Star Wars, but more so. He's just. He knows how stupid this thing is. Temple Crusade. <laughs> he has a line. Here's one of the early lines that Tom Wilkinson has to say to reassure Taylor Schiff that Sam Worthington is is still going to love his family. He, he has to say to her. No one attempts the impossible without belief in something greater than themselves. Even if that something is a someone. Oh, and it was bad enough. I know, right? And it just goes oh, on and on, and it gets terrible. The and, word and, salad. And and, uh, and Taylor Schiff has to act as if she's been very reassured by this. And and, and Tom Wilkins thought of it like that with your something someone. She really her her line her line is something like I'm grateful that you said that like it's super like on the nose it's clearly <laughs> she didn't really listen that's what right. I say I don't hear what people say uh, I also love hearing Tom Wilkinson say words like like instead of saying methane he's just like forget it, I'm just gonna say methane he calls it methane at a certain point he has to talk about how the Pentagon is overseeing the program and he's like yeah that was the decision of the Pentagon. Like he's just do. I don't know if like British. Wait, people that's really, how British people. Yeah, they, they really Pentagon. call it the Pentagon. Well, they call it methane. Yeah, the methane is in aluminium, right? But Pentagon, right. really? I thought and he was. The, thinking, and what produces it is is windmill thing. I thought he was having a laugh with Pentagon. I've never heard that before. Maybe they, they say pronounce. anything like that, Tom. Right. I know. Maybe it's a thing like that. I don't know. But I would think Pentagon. Why is that difficult for the Brits? I don't know. You hate them. So at any rate, Sam Worthington turns into a fish man at the end of the movie. Uh, they put made He just made get a water world. It's holding his breath a non-faked physical gesture. It's no, it's totally faked because they cut away. There's only like five or six seconds of footage at a time before they cut away. It's totally faked. It's all right. in editing. Um, once they give him the makeup, and it's horrible practical effects because it just looks like Sam Worthington in a bald cap painted blue. It's absurd. <laughs> uh, and, and, uh, so it's like Avatar, basically. It is exactly Kelly Wan. Oh, it's, it's Sam Worthington, but it's not CG makeup because I think Avatar is all CG makeup. Blue that it's know. just really goofy bald cap and, and face – like cake makeup on his face. It looks absurd. Like, but, okay. but here's the funny thing. When you become a, a titan-friendly fish man, when you fully morph <laughs> like this and you get put in the makeup, uh, you communicate at a lower frequency that humans can't hear. So in the rest of the movie – and this is what Tom Wilkinson explains, by the way. So what that means is in the rest of the movie, once he turns into a fishman, no more dialogue, just meaningful looks from Sam Worthington. Oh, his specialty. Yeah. So so he's he's in this – James Cameron had to invent technology to convey that. <laughs> right. Yeah, but they, they speak at a lower – they're speaking Kelly Wan, but it's at a lower frequency in their mouths. <laughs> This is so, how we're gonna fuck on Europe. So I mean, is there that a low? Why is it? Why would it be a lower frequency? Because like whale sounds are at a higher frequency, aren't they? I, you know what, Dingus? Uh, like I said, I'm sure the science in this movie is is completely sound. I, All right, I, I apologize. They did a lot of research. So here's the deal: they've been doing this 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 research. And they've been keeping them at this lab facility. 
He transmorphs into Fishman. Uh, he's one of the few people that lives through the program and doesn't like freak out or die or whatever. Actually, him and uh, the super hot chick from uh, Game of Thrones who plays uh, Khaleesi's uh, like advisor. This this beautiful uh, like Sandy's woman. It? Uh, well, Wait, she's also in the Fast and Furious franchise. I know. Natalie I know. Emmanuel, I think, is her name. She's uh, awesome. Yeah, she's the other person Love who you. doesn't get killed by the Fishman program. She turns into a fish a fish woman as well. So they're yeah. the only two that make it through the program. And there's one more day before they're going to get launched to Titan. Right? They're just going to shoot them up there to Titan. And they uh, they Can't they, they just they, swim there because they've been adapted. You can't swim to Titan, Kelly. One, you have to ride a rock. Like, he can't he can't breathe in space. Just under in pools. So wow. they, they say to Taylor Schilling, uh, you can have one more night. We're going to send him home with you for one more night. You get one more night, and then tomorrow we have to send him to Titan. Oh, so I this down. he comes <laughs> home with Taylor Schilling, and they have this really awkward final evening because he can't talk. All he can do is give her meaningful looks. Um, he now Who's communi- Taylor Schilling? I don't know who that is. I, I keep thinking you're saying like Taylor Swift or somebody. No, she was in the overnight. She's the wife in the overnight. That's how you'd Okay, know. thank you. I yeah. got it. Right. Uh, don't let a- me go in the deep end. That's what he <laughs> she's says. She's in a really good movie with Pat Healy called Take Me. Her and Pat Healy have a, a, a cool cat and mouse psychological thriller thing. Uh, so, but she, you All know, right, sorry about that. Night. Go ahead. So, uh, she gets to take him home for one night and he now communicates by touching people, and finally they, they splurge on some CG, uh, finger tentacles spiral out of his fingertips, and uh, they sort of lightly touch you, and that's how he can communicate. Those would be so handy if you were going on a rocket to another planet. You totally want finger tentacles. to CG finger tentacles, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. so at any rate, he ends up uh, like realizing that he wants to stay with his family. He doesn't want to go to Titan. I mean, he can't. It's like the diesel. He can't verbalize this, so you have to read it in his eyes, and Taylor Schilling has to interpret or whatever. But so the army comes out, and they're going to shoot him, and they have guns on him, and he freaks out, and it's the big action sequence where he kills Wait, all the heavily armed military. Why are they shooting him? I thought he was going to Titan the next day. Because he's freaking out and killing him. Like, they're, they're trying to bring him in forcibly with arms, and he starts killing him, so they have to shoot at him. On his last day? Before well, he's going to kill all the soldiers, Kelly Wan. Naturally, when you try to kill soldiers, they're going to shoot back at you. You can't colonize Titan without breaking some Worthingtons. <laughs> and that, that Kelly Wand is Tom Wilkinson's <laughs> approach to this. Exactly. He realizes that this program will have costs. He turns out to be the villain because what happens then is finally Sam Worthington kills all the soldiers and gets away. And uh, uh, Taylor Schilling, uh, he's, he's with and, and the little boy Noah Jupe, and they're all going to escape. Uh, <laughs> but but they, they, they trick uh, the, uh, Tom Wilkinson tricks them and captures them anyway. So they put Sam Worthington in a cage, and they're going to send him. And Sam, uh, Tom Wilkinson comes to Taylor Schiff, and she's like <laughs> Taylor Schilling. And she said, Taylor Schilling, he doesn't want to leave. He's resisting. That's the actual line. He's what? resisting. We need you to give him this drug that will make him forget his family. He wants to stay on Earth with his family. Only you can uh, give him this drug. So here, I'm going to show you this little row of capsules that have family-forgetting drug. Here's the little injector. I need you to put one of these in there and go in the cage and give it to him. And then underneath, by the way, in this little row of – it's in a foam case. There's a whole bunch of uh, capsules that have just saline solution in them. So she picks up – we don't see which one she picks up. She picks up presumably the family-forgetting drug, puts it in the little injector, goes into the cage, and she's like, I love you. I'm sorry. I have to do this. And she injects him, 
And then she's like, okay, I did it. I hate you guys. I'm leaving. And then she walks out. But then Tom Wilkinson looks down and he sees, hey, wait a minute. All the family forgetting drug capsules are still there. But wait a minute. There's one missing from the row of saline solution capsules. Uh, why did they show her those? She why did they just give her the right one? one. They, they keep them in the same case. What can I tell you? It's just a storage issue. And she knows the difference, and now the saline won't hurt him? I didn't, I didn't tell you this before, but she's a noted scientist who had to abandon her career. Uh, yeah, we established that early on. <laughs> I can relate. Christmas. Yeah. Uh, so he then uh, – the, so the moment that they realize that, Tom Wilkins is like, wait, don't get near him. And Sam Worthington like wakes up and starts killing people with his finger tentacles and running away. And, and then he gets back with Taylor Schilling and Noah Jupe, and they're going to escape. But then once again, Tom Wilkins tricks them by showing up with all these soldiers. <laughs> and they're just, and the soldier right exactly and uh and tom Wilkins has just had it he's put up with them and he realizes look humanity this is our only hope for humanity we have to shoot him to titan i so need to say leave for other stuff he says to the soldier commander soldier commander shoot that woman because he's had <laughs> it with him so he, he's he's ordering the soldier commander to do that and this movie was shot in some place of the canary islands that are uh, owned by spain all the extras are played by, by by spaniards and so they got some local hire or whatever some spanish actor who sp- speaks very broken english the idea is he's a nato commander by the way the, the nato commander's like i'm not going to do that they're they're unarmed i will not shoot unarmed women and uh. children <laughs> and tom Wogan's like i don't care captain it's the fate of humanity and then and, – and there's no cue for this. There's something like 20 soldiers lined up along a railing and down some stairs, and they have their guns trained on Sam Worthington on, as if on cue like they're doing halftime entertainment at the Super Bowl or something. They all swivel their guns over to Tom Wilkinson. What? They, they simultaneously turn on him. Like, no, like I heard you. I'm as a as, as, as one, like they're, they're like a hive mind, and, and they realize they're not going to shoot Sam Worthington. Instead, they're going to arrest Tom Wilkinson for his, his unethical arrested. order. Yeah, he gets like arrested. He doesn't get killed. Uh, <laughs> he's held accountable for his crimes, right? What are his but, crimes? Uh, ordering soldiers to shoot unarmed women. Kelly Wan, that's a crime. You can't do uh, that. Also, you know, he was complicit with the Pentagon, apparently, in, in this program. Yeah. I, yeah. So he gets arrested, not even shot, like the movies. Not, not only that, Kelly Wan, Sam Worthington, <laughs> he goes he to Titan anyway. To... The final shot, like the final scene is him on Titan. Like for, he's like, whatever, I'll go. And so he, he's on Titan, and the final scene uh, is him flying around on Titan. Well, does she go too? No, she can't. She can't breathe there. She stays home with well, Noah Jupe. I mean, at this point, it wouldn't have surprised me. Like, oh, you can stay in the ship. We have no, unlimited she, oxygen for you. She is not a, a homo titanius. Only he is, Kelly Wan. She stays on Earth. Uh, hmm. How is this supposed to extrapolate for the rest of the human race getting there? Or how does it help them? Don't ask questions. I just, you just have to trust the science thing. I also, I also you know, the, the Javitos have blow tight. darts. Why can't they just use a blow dart instead of sending her in there? Into oh, the right. Cage? Uh, because he's resisting, apparently. He's <laughs> resisting. That is a good point, Dingus. I that might be one plot hole in the movie. That might be the only plot hole in the movie. You do have a point there. I, I broke this thing wide open. Yeah, yeah. Wait, isn't Tom Wilkinson at the end go, "Ha ha! You did what I wanted you to do. You can arrest me all you want, soldiers, Spanish soldiers. But in the end, I saved humanity, and I'm going to get credit for it." Well, yeah, because Sam Worthington goes to Titan anyway. I don't know why they deal with the whole – Tom Wilkinson's character doesn't even have to be in this movie. So he's not re- – he just stops resisting. 
I guess so. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'll go. Well, the thing is, like, that they sounds terrible. I'm really upset about the drug subplot, Tom. Yeah, sailing things. They poke him with a needle between his toes, and then they carry him off. He's no Cal Worthington. <laughs> so there you go, Sam Worthington, uh, still as terrible as ever uh, in makeup and out uh, of makeup. And hey, uh, James, how's Avatar two script coming? <laughs> okay, I'll wait. I'll make another science fiction where I'm blue. Oh, <laughs> oh my, is he in the Avatar sequels? I don't know. Don't we need his character? I don't know. Did he die at the end? I don't remember. I think it's just about the tree, and that's the main character. There's a tree in Avatar? I don't remember that. We watch it hold its breath under the shallow. Oh, God. I can't believe this is happening. I see see both of you. (laughs) All right, Kelly Wan, what did you see? Is it better than The Titan, starring Sam Worthington? (sighs) As usual, you made me want to watch it now, though. All right, have fun. (laughs) Homo Titanius. In Man Plus, the one where they're doing it for Mars, the Frederick Pohl <laughs> uh, novel, he looks like a devil. That's what you look like if you're going to get terraformed to Mars. Oh. Mars forms. So he's well, in uh, what's that? It's hot. What's that? That science fiction uh, thing where the the people come down from space and they're like, "Okay, Earth, we're going to save you, but we won't let you look at us." And then generations later, we get to look at them, and they didn't let us look at them because they look like devils. And we oh, knew that's that uh, Arthur C. Clarke's story, right? Uh, children, childhood, childhood, yeah, 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 right, right. yeah. Or keeping up with the Kardashians. So I don't understand anything Dingus is saying on this podcast. <laughs> to be honest, nobody does. Um, I watched a Spanish horror film called Veronica, and the only interesting thing about it is okay it's set in the 1990s and it's like a family uh getting possessed because one of the kids uh fucks around with a ouija board like she's a she goes to catholic school (laughs) and there's an assembly or something so she and her friends uh, go to a sewer room and play around on a ouija board and it summons a devil (laughs) that only affects her and her siblings for some reason and there's a blind nun who's always staring at her going i warned you not to touch the ouija board in Spanish, you guys still there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just enthralled by what I'm saying. <laughs> you can tell what kind of silence that was. All right, I'll wrap it up quick. So then, you know, it's three days, and the devil keeps showing up, and it's kind of boring. And then at the end, uh, the twist is: Wait, do you want me to ruin it? Well, I'm want- a little worried because I like that guy. It's it's one of the two guys who did Wreck. They're Spanish directors. Uh, two oh, of them did okay. it. It's kind of like the John Wick thing. And the two guys did it, and they kind of went their separate ways. And uh, Paco Plaza, uh, Veronica is the movie he did. The other guy's name is uh, Juan, Bal- Juan Balaguerlo or something like that. Uh, and he went on and did more Wreck movies, and then this guy went on and did other things, including uh, Veronica. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear that it's no good, but uh, I, no, should it's I okay. not see it? Okay. No, it's all right. I'll just okay. So I'll I'll mention something that's not spoilery, but okay, it's set in the 1990s, and then at the end, there's a little uh, thing that comes up. Some words. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little tired, and it goes. Okay, long story short, the cops show up because there's a 911 call, and they find chaos in the apartment. And the cops like, oh. And then at the end, some words come up and go, this is the first uh, actual case where police reports confess to having seen paranormal phenomena. 
like the cops went, oh, there's something scary about this room. And I remember thinking, oh, do they mean just the Spanish police because it's Madrid or worldwide, like on cops or something? Oh, I see. And uh, and then I started trying to visualize what the real thing was that that the movie was like. Oh no, it's it's like paranormal activity. Watch a lot of shit happen, but it's like in RL it was probably like a cop just came in and saw like um, a blood splatter that. We shape like Lincoln or something. <laughs> uh, you might have said this already, and I apologize if I missed it, but is it found footage? No. Oh, okay. But I, I watched it right after The Devil Inside, which is similar and found footage. Did you ever see that movie, Tom? Is that the one with Frank Grillo? Uh, the one with the priest and the detective in New York? No. She goes to the Vatican. <laughs> It's a found footage movie about the Vatican, Tom. Uh, all right. Why? Well, okay. Huh. And it ends with, to find out what this movie's ending was, go to this website. <laughs> wow. What? Yeah. Right. And that's why it's got such a low rating. Like, everyone online's like, what the fuck? That's not, you're making me go to a website to see how your movie ends? Because it's like a car turns over and all the characters are possessed inside it. And then you're not sure what happens. And it's been really boring. But still oh, yeah, short. Devil Inside. Right. That's the guy who did Last Exorcism, William Brent Bell. Yeah, it so is? I, yeah, That's the yeah, last unfortunately. Ex- last Exorcism is way better than that. I know. Yeah. yeah it's what? Sad, isn't it? That guy – wait. So Devil Inside, did he make that before or after? No, Last Exorcism is pretty old. Let's see. Last Exorcism would be – That's before I moved to Canada. Oh, wait. No, it's not. Why did I think that was him? Or is it? All right. I looked it up. Never mind. It's, he's not even – why did I think that was him? Why Last would he do another? Is the one where somebody finds a, a, oh, video, I, a VHS thing? Last Exorcism is, is Ashley Bell. That might be why. This guy's oh, name is Ashley William Bell. Brent Bell. Yeah. And the first one has the title oh. character. That you so this, like. right, this is the guy who did uh, the thing where uh, the the uh, woman from shoot uh, Game of Thrones babysits the doll. What was that thing? Uh, the the boy, insidious? right? No, not Insidious. No, Annabelle. It's, uh, it's not even Game of Thrones. It's, no, no, it's uh, it's uh, it's uh, 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 Maggie from Walking Dead, right? She babysits a doll. Oh. Like she gets hired by this creepy uh, old lady to say, "Hey, I need a nanny for my son," and so she shows up, and the lady's like, "Okay, fine. Here's let me introduce you to my son." And it's a doll, uh, <laughs> and 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 uh, Maggie's like, "But wait, this isn't a this isn't a kid. This is a doll." And I'm like, "No, what do you?" The lady's like, no, what are you talking about? That's, that's You need to take care of this this little doll or this this little child. Uh, and so she has to babysit this doll, and it turns out maybe the doll's alive. See? I thought the twist would be it turns out to be a kid, and she's nuts. That might be. Oh, no, no. It's not It's not a turn of the screw kind of thing. No, no nowhere near that clever. It's a, basically, it's a, uh, it's a, like you mentioned, it's an Annabelle ripoff. Like, hey, dolls are creepy, aren't they? Ooh. Hmm. It's one of those movies. Anyway, that's the Devil Inside guy. I can't believe I besmirched Last Exorcism uh, by saying that What's, was him. There's the awesome movie we saw with the girl hired to babysit, and she has to hire, and she has to babysit the grandma. House of the uh, Devil. House of the Devil. Yeah. House of the Devil. All right. Jocelyn Donahue. And Ty West. Right. Exactly. Right. Donk a donk. So, so Kellyanne, have you He's seen all the all the Rec movies? Um. No. They kind of go off the rails. Like Wreck, Wreck is great. The original Wreck. I've but seen more quarantines than I've seen Wreck. Right, right. Uh, that might be I the right thing to do. It. 
So Wreck is really good. Then Wreck 2 is like, uh, it's not a zombie movie. It's a demon movie. We're going to go ahead and go in that direction. You guys with us? Oh, that's right, yeah. And then Wreck 3 is the one where halfway through they get bored of being found footage and just decide, <laughs> yeah, yeah, never mind. We're just going to be a regular that. movie. Uh, and it's set, it's set during a wedding. So the whole conceit is they're doing the wedding video. And then partway through, they're like, ah, let's – Let's. We know we're all sick of this. We're just gonna be a regular movie now. And then uh, Wreck Four is uh, zombies on a boat, and it's dumb. They get uh, progressively worse. Is yeah. that found footage too, or no? Uh, I don't think they go back to found. Gosh, Dingus, that's one of those things. Like, is the movie black and white? Yeah, yeah. All right. I can't remember. That's a good question, Dingus. I'm not sure. I doubt it because I got the sense that in Wreck Three they just realized that they'd played that out. Let's just no, drop they... it because it's we're running out of steam on this. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the funny thing about Wreck 3, which is why it's worth seeing, is uh, the the bride in the wedding ends up having to be one of the people who fights the zombies. And she's supposed to get become super badass, and uh, that she has a chainsaw that she fights zombies with. And the poor actress that they give this role to can't even lift the prop chainsaw. Oh. Like, it's way too much for her. And she's supposed to look like some badass zombie killer. Oh. And it's way too big for her, and she can't quite manage it, and they're trying Wouldn't to make her look... Wouldn't that have been part bad. of the audition? Like, you that's would, the thing you make her try out. You would think, but uh, I don't know if maybe she was a well-known actress in Spain or something, but uh, it's kind of precious. Oh, Hello. that's so sad. Yeah, it's like, oh, honey, no, you can't, don't even... Give, give her a dagger or something. <laughs> not the chainsaw. She's not a ready for the chainsaw. A weed whacker, maybe. Right. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. Uh, all right, so you didn't like Veronica. I'm disappointed. All right. I mean, no, it's, sort it's of, all right. It's, well, you can I'm, see the trajectory of the Wreck movies. Uh, I, there's no reason I should be hopeful for it, but... Uh, it's actually right. some good stuff in it, but it doesn't go where I was hoping it would. Right, right. But I don't, I don't think really good. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I, I think I'm I'm becoming increasingly convinced, Kelly Wand, that I don't think you can do anything interesting with possession anymore. Yeah, exorcisms. Because even the exorcist, she's she's uh in her bedroom on a bed. Like it's kind of like Jaws. Like just don't go in the water. You're fine. Just don't go in the bedroom and you're fine. Well, the tension is it's someone that you love. Is that you know it's more about what's Ellen Burstyn's dilemma is her daughter's possessed, and it's the same with Last Exorcism, where you know where I think that was one of the like you can have a really good actress playing the distinction between being a normal person and a possessed person, and that's one of the things that I think Ashley Bell does really well in those movies. But other than that, what are you going to do? You just give someone well, like, like yeah, like Dingus hates black eyes. You give someone black eyes, they're possession. They drool. They look scary. They're, they're possessed. I love black eyes, actually. I think I think black if you're possessed, eyes? you should have white eyes. Your eyes should be whited out like a zombie or like Spider Man. Like they're in your they're looking up in your head. No, it's just like your eyeball. Like the uh, like the interesting part of your eyeball disappears. The interesting. Because <laughs> that's not that's the like, boring outside part. <laughs> Tom, um, is Caleb Landry Jones in Last Exorcism? He is Dingus. Yeah, he is, and it's before he was completely weird. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, and he's, he's so he's like he completely stands out. Is the moment he comes on screen and gives the guy directions, and it's like, okay, you know what, you're gonna want to okay, turn around, get the hell out of here. Yeah, he's he's captivating in that. Thank uh, you. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I well, remember liking that movie. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Yeah. 
I wrote a found footage movie, so I was watching a bunch of them, and I rewatched Apollo 18 too to like study them, and I just came away going, "Ugh, what a moribund <laughs> genre of horseshit!" Like, like there's just so boring. Like, there's what's, way too much boring character yeah. setup, and in all of them. What's the That's one Tom's told us about where the where the uh, the the videotape recorder, the the camera falls out of a plane, and it's got like alien footage on it. Yeah, uh, believe it or not, the name is Alien Abduction. Yeah, <laughs> Alien Abduction. Thank you. It's a, it's a bit on the I've nose as well. It. You've seen that I've one, Colin? Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Because the thing I like about that one. Go ahead. Go on. Well, in the um, VHS something something, the third one or something, the dog has a camera on him, and right. the, the dog's <laughs> up in the spaceship, and the dog falls out of the spaceship. Well, VHS three is all about them sort of taking a piss with with what kind of. How how silly can we get with found footage? And it has the one like the guy who turns into a zombie while he's wearing a GoPro camera. I kind of like rest- that one. Yeah, no, and some of them are interesting. And then there's the one where Adam also- Wingard gets gets implants in his eyes, uh, and so that's the found footage. And oh, okay. Yeah. Right. But uh, Alien Abduction, Kelly one. What I liked about that one is that the the kid was it was like a disabled. It was a kid that had some sort of like anxiety or, or learning disability, and he. Uh, thought of the the camera as like a comforting thing. It was like a, a, a like a blanket for him or something. It calmed him down to hold the camera up and look through it. So that was the conceit for why this found footage movie happens. Is this little kid with a learning disability? That's that's what he needs uh, in order to keep himself calm as these aliens are running around and killing people. What was the rationale for Chronicle? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. Uh, it's it's that we need to get Dane DeHaan to be famous so that people will go see Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Oh, yeah. That was the that's, rationale for this. That's a thousand different uh, input Planet. sources, though. I mean, they're all the different cameras, all the different security cameras, and we just have no justification for why it's all been put together. Oh, right, right. Exactly, Diggis. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Kelly saw Veronica. I saw the Titan. Dingus saw Killing of a Sacred Deer. The winner this week, Dingus. Yeah. Easily. Me. All right, it's Kelly fun. Wand, why don't you now explain to folks what's this week's 3x3? Three three? This week's 3x3 three three is three <laughs> meet people you saw, you want to see a movie with, and why? Living or dead? Not, I mean, them, not the movie. Yeah, way to sell it. All right, wow. good, good one, Kelly Wand. Uh, Dingus, you're going to be introducing an actual three by three at the end of this podcast. So why don't you start <laughs> start for us and give us your number three pick? Oh, <laughs> number three has the following quote from it. Um, and when Alexander saw the breadth of his domain, he wept where there were no more worlds to conquer. The benefits of a classical education. Who do you want to watch that with? I want to watch it with. Uh, my uh, girlfriend and our friend Alexandra, who's never seen Die Hard. Um, unfortunately, I did what? not get to see Die Hard for the first time uh, with my kid. He saw it with his mom, and uh, it, you know we have to, you, you know, in in the situation where you get divorced and you're like watching movies at different times and theaters and whatnot, and also like I want to watch something tonight. What I'm going to watch, you you kind of have to do some give and take. So I didn't get to see Die Hard with Ken, um, but I'm constantly fascinated at the movies that Alexandra, uh, who is somebody I love seeing movies with, hasn't seen. So uh, sort of the theme of this is different gradations of movies that 
are going to be possible to be seen. I mean, this isn't this isn't something that's unattainable. <laughs> um, but one of the weird things about having somebody that you like to see movies with, and I have this with a couple of friends of mine, we're like, oh man, I really want to watch this with the with Yuri. I really want to watch this with Tom. I really would love to watch this with Tom and Kelly or whomever. Is that that these jerks are constantly putting out new movies? Um, so there's constantly something to see, and there's so many things that you have to do in 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 life and whatnot that you can't ever catch up on this backlog of movies that you want to see. And then I meet people, and uh, we get to talk about movies and. Uh, and you say, well, man, I would really like to see this movie with you because you've never seen it before. And I'd love to sit there with you and see it for the first time. Uh, so I realized that seeing the movie Die Hard, since I own the, the movie uh, with um, with uh, with our friend Alexandra, is totally a doable thing. But there's always something else that seems to uh, take precedent over it. There's OK, well, let's, we're, we're going to go out to see uh, a, a newer movie that's coming out or we're going to go out to see the podcast movie or I'd rather watch this movie that's on Prime that I've heard about or whatever. Um, or, you know, you know, Tom suggests movies all the time that are interesting. You guys should see this movie. You should definitely see this movie together. Uh, and it's a new movie that neither of us have seen. And we're more likely to see something that neither of us have seen than something that one of us have seen and the other one hasn't. Um, so I'm not saying that seeing Die Hard with Alexandra is not a doable thing, uh, but it is a movie that I, that I wish, uh, I wish I would bother to make time for because I love the movie so much. And I, I don't think that she would like it very much. Um, no, just given I her, I think she'll, she'll surprisingly like it. I, I don't it's, know. I don't know, Kelly. No, it's, she'll think it's funny. And it, it, there's nothing in it that she only doesn't like stuff where it freaks her out. She doesn't like like mean violence, although there is some of that. But only direct. Did you say her. you think it would be a good date movie? Yeah, I saw it on a date recently, and it totally oh, helped. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, so when when we went to see um, uh, Ready Player One, one of the things that happened was, you know, they go into this vault and they look at look through all these movies. And one of the one of the lines in it is, oh, The Fly. Great movie. Terrible date. movie." Uh, and I don't yeah. know. I don't. And so I'm always sort of thinking about that idea of like, who, who can I see this with? You know, who would who would be a, a good person to see this particular movie with? Would this be appropriate for this situation or that situation? But uh, Die Hard is just one of those movies that perennial, perennially um, makes me happy. It's just it's one yeah, of those things like is. singing it's in the rain. Enhancer. Yeah, which is ridiculous. It is a mood enhancer. Very well put, Kelly. Um, and every time I bring up a dumb quote from it, which I know you guys are used to. Uh, me not doing that at all, bringing up quotes. Uh, she's like, what's that from? And I'm like, Die Hard, don't you remember? And she reminds me I've never seen that. And I think, you know, I would really like to watch this with you, but we just don't ever make time for it. So it's one of those things where new movies are always coming out and there's there's new shiny things to see instead and things that are more important to do. Um, but it's one of those things that, you know, I kind of wish we'd make time for. So it, I predict she likes weird, it. Yeah, and you should. I, make I, time I don't think that she will. I don't know, but <sighs> I hope you're right. No, she wants. She, she you, you'll see. All you're right. doing it not for dingus on her. 
Yeah. But it's like the yeah. one action movie that's unisex, except maybe T2 <laughs> and Aliens. Other than that. But no, Die Hard brings people together. It's a unifier. All right. So there you go. Die Hard. All right. And you're right. Oh. It is It is doable. Mine I don't think is doable because I might have screwed up the topic. Uh, Kelly, can we, <laughs> can, can we choose fictional characters? Yes. Oh, okay. In that case, yeah, it's fine. He, he already uh, allowed that not only oh, yeah. can we choose fictional characters, but that we can choose more than one person. Yeah. Oh, well, no, this is just the one guy. You can okay. do the whole audience. You can stock the whole theater if you want. Oh, well, no, I'm just, it's mainly just the one guy. So I want to watch a comedy, and I think it's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy uh, with Drax. I just want to hear him laughing at a movie that I'm watching that I like. That's all. That's, that's not much. That's a good answer. Oh, thank you, Kelly Wan. But you should pick the movie. Like, I, That's the only part of it I would request. No, it would be Guardians of the Galaxy, just for the meta uh, of it. I think he would appreciate it because of the whole thing that he he doesn't that necessarily. That seems like the dumb choice, the only stupid one. Because he he's in it, and he won't laugh at his own things in front of you. He's embarrassed. How can, but he'll laugh at Chris Pratt and at Rocket Raccoon. Oh, no, they can Gamora. see it. No, you should. There's funny stuff. He, well, what is what is Drax gonna laugh at if he's a he laughs at stuff in Guardians of the Galaxy two all the time? What what should he see to make him laugh the most? Either laugh at the or, or um the witch. I would take. It. Yeah, Kelly, one, you're fired from this three by three. Because also too, Drax Drax laughs at weird shit that no one else finds funny. So you should take him to something that no one finds funny, like uh, all right. Uh, no, I'm gonna, I'm, okay, I'm going to watch Schindler's List with him. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, see, I like your choice. I'm just, you know, I'm actually <laughs> thinking of Drax as an entertainment. Well, I, I, would also, love, I would love to see this happen because I could see Drax laughing at the whore line and going, oh, <laughs> right, and like, exactly. Tom, why didn't you get that? And then he could explain it to me, Kelly Wand. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> cut the ox's head off. Alternatively, I'll watch a movie with Kelly Wand while he pretends to be Drax. I'll accept that as well. I'm kind of quiet to see movies with, or am I? Right. Well, Kelly Wand, what's your number three? Let's get let's Unless hear who's circle on a plane, and then I'm like, "What the fuck?" and wake people up around me. Wow! All right. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. That's, that's terrible. Uh, I thought this would be a popular topic because. Um, you know, you always remember who you saw a movie with, and it's like the only artistic medium where that's the case, and where mm-hmm. you're like sharing it. Like you can look at a painting together, but that's like two minutes. But like when you see a movie with someone and they laugh at something, I always go, "Oh, really?" Like you learn a lot about that person, and you're not going to get that if you just look at a it's at fucking bullshit statues. <laughs> Fuck that. Um. So, uh, trying to think if I should keep this order. Because the first one's kind of a long backstory. All right. So my new number three. Uh, so I, there was a documentary about Back to the Future I was watching. And Michael J. Fox told the story about how um, he saw Back to the Future when it was first. It was doing a world premiere in London. And by chance, he was sitting next to Princess Diana. And so he watched it with her and he said she was smoking hot. And he was like, and so he remembers that when Biff went into the manure, she cackled like a mad woman, like a totally un Morgan Fairchild, like statuesque blonde. Like she just loved it. She thought it was really funny. So what I would like to do along those lines is see Bill and Ted's excellent adventure with Abraham Lincoln to see if he laughs. 
because right? he seems like he'd have a good sense of humor. And also, the history teacher's black. And also, I would like to see if he goes, wait, so... Because in Bill and Ted, it made me always wonder, like, if they told him or he asked, like, wait, what happens to me? Do I win the Civil War? Because he, like, got shot right after it. So, And he'd just been reelected. So, you know, I could, like... I think he would... I want him to go off on, like, something light, like a little Bill and Ted, and then I bring him back, like, the night he gets shot. So he gets one last laugh in. That's my number three. All right. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm pretty Wouldn't sure you knew that we... if somebody assassinated him while you were watching Bill and Ted's. Um, uh, my choice would be Trump. Obviously, is that hey? Oh, because he's still in office. I can't say. Now we're going to be investigated. Great, thanks. <sighs> he But other than that, Kelly Wand, how was the movie? Yeah, seriously, Tom. <laughs> well done. I think he'd it. be bummed he wasn't in Bogus Journeys. Like, wait, my character did a lot. Wouldn't Lincoln have known by the time he was assassinated that we were we that the North was going to win the Civil War? We <laughs> they, they had one. <laughs> I'm from Arkansas too. You'd think that that wouldn't slip out that way. <laughs> Is that a slave state? <laughs> it's a Southern state, Kelly Wand. Yeah, but more. <laughs> yeah, but Arkansas is close enough to Missouri that it's fair enough to ask. Uh, and Maryland, and also some of the northern states. Arkansas is like, nowhere near Maryland. <laughs> yeah, what? you've been well, in Germany. There was actually, I think, there was one Civil War battle in Arkansas, just one. So, I don't even remember what it was called. Like, I, you know what? I was afraid you were going to ask. Uh, I don't even remember that. Uh, I think it was called Gettysburg. No, we should be so lucky. No, it's like the South won every battle, and then Gettysburg. Or until Grant showed up, and then they wanted. Well, the writing was. I mean, the, the the South. It was just a matter of how long they could hold out, right? Right, and so that's what I'd like to see if Lincoln, like, if I want to see if Lincoln gets bored during the Napoleon parts when they go to oh. the war. <laughs> Yeah. I think he would be busy just freaking out over the technology of watching movies. That would be a hard thing for him to get past. Kelly. I wonder about that too. You would probably scare him. You, he would like think Dickens. he would think you're a wizard, right? But they might get into it because, like, some Dickens novels, like Barnaby Rudge. I remember thinking, "Oh, this is what he really wants to be making a movie, but they don't exist yet." So this is his idea. Like, I'm going to be as visual as possible. Like, then you see this shot and this shot. But I also remember. Um, the Coen brothers, they watched uh, No Country for Old Men, and they heard Court McCarthy laughing during it. And they went, oh, that's a good sign. But they what, still, is his la- what does his laugh sound like? Uh, he chuckled. He was, like, soft. Like, <laughs> oh. <I was> <laughs> but it was also... More Draxian. No. What? Cormac McCarthy? You think yeah. that's a Draxian laugher? I would no. hope so. No. Can imagine him watching The Road and just laughing like Drax. I think he's a hard laugh. I think it's tough to make him laugh. So they were probably really proud of themselves. I'd love to make him laugh. You think, like, he's so smart. If you can make him, if you get, penetrate that veneer, then anything's possible, Dingus. That's my number three. Yay! Dingus, what's your second favorite person you would watch a movie that you guys see together with? (laughs) All right. dead. Don't forget, Tom. Living or dead, fictional or real. Yeah, they can be dead while they're watching it. Famous or obscure. Fictional I have but in dead. Fictional but dead, or alive or real, not real or real. unreal. Right. Here's mm-hmm. a quote from it. I have an irresistible urge to kiss you, Ellen Brody. Jaws. Um, 
Where? Wait. What? There's. There's only what? There's only. Well, there's several movies with. There's only four movies with someone named Ellen Brody in them. Yeah, but it was Jaws: The Revenge. The shark said that to her. Yep, it's Jaws: The Revenge, and I would love to see that with Roger Ebert. Michael um, are love interest in that because that that is one of my favorite reviews that I've ever read, just because it made me laugh to tears. Uh, I just I I find that review is 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 it is one of those things, like Kelly was talking about with uh, Die Hard that. I, I return to that review when I get a little bit bluesy and I want to read something that makes me laugh. And, <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it's just, it's just so funny. It's just such a funny review, but his village ones good too. Um, I, I would love, and I'm sorry, Kelly, cause I'm going to probably get uh, thrown in jail for this. I would love to be able to watch jaws, the revenge with, with, um, with jaws. Roger Ebert, Jaws the Revenge, with with Roger Ebert, Kelly Wand, and Tom Chick. Um, be, it would be so much fun to sit there and watch that movie with with you guys. I mean, it's impossible, of course, because Roger Ebert is dead. Uh, and uh, but I would I would love to be able to sit there and watch that, and then um, and then make dinner for you guys, and Aww. and then sort of prod Tom and Roger Ebert as you're talking sweet. about. Fight Club, uh, because <laughs> Tom famously, I think, said uh, that uh, Roger Ebert. I, don't, I forget how, what you said about it, but something, something about like him being uh, too lazy to really get what Fight Club was about. And I would love to. Uh, so I'm sort of cheating a little bit here, but uh, what what I would really want is not just to be able to watch the movie, but to have the discussion afterward um, about a variety of other movies because. Um, I really do think that Roger Ebert, uh, and the reason I include this is because you two, Tom and Kelly, are two of my favorite writers for different reasons. Uh, and uh, I love the way that you guys write about various things. I love the way that Roger Ebert and Tom write about movies, and I love the way that Kelly writes about anything, to be honest, uh, especially about movies. Um, and to be able to prod you guys into a discussion about that and hear where it went uh would make me just it would it would just fill me with so much joy uh so i think that jaws 4 would fill the room with uh with so much mirth that um while i was making dinner that discussion would happen and uh i i'm uh, i i really I really was a fan of Roger Ebert and I've got a bunch of his books and uh, I loved reading his reviews when I was growing up, when I was a kid. Um, uh, so yeah, that's my, my number two would be Jaws the Revenge with okay. Roger Ebert. Hey, I'm not showing up for this because I think I'm going to get bushwhacked and you're going to be all like, Hey Tom, didn't you say that Roger here, that his review was lazy? And I'll be like, uh, Oh, I did. What? And so things are art. Yeah, Dingus just wants to get me to fight Roger Ebert. And B, I don't want to watch Jaws of Revenge again. Oh, Dingus. Oh, come on. It would be so much fun. And by the way, you handled that type of situation with such a plum. You're yeah, it's so called great. backing off. <laughs> it's no, no, it's not that. It's it's that you, you, you are so able to smooth those things over. We were at a party the other night, and just watching when you walked into the party, and you're just like – you're immediately like, like getting people to talk to each the other. music you just, stopped. You're a natural at that, and you, you have no problem with getting things to be smoothed over in that way and then also being able to get a little spiky in conversation. And that's one of the things I love about having a debate with you is that – 
you can you can uh, hold forth and you can be spiky about things, but you can also sort of sort of give a little bit and bring everybody else into the conversation. And uh, and and that's that's one of those talents that you have. And Kelly's really, really funny. And uh, I think Roger would be erudite, you know. And so I think that you would handle that perfectly and it would be a lot of fun. I think it would just be a blast. I think it would be an absolute blast. All right, I'm but stone, so I don't care what we see. But go on, <laughs> Daniels. If you make a uh, pumpkin pie for dessert, I will be there. I will make whatever it takes. All right, good. we all have our way in to doing it, Dingus. All right, well, Kelly, one, how are you going to top that? What's your second favorite movie, or no, second favorite person, and the movie that you two would watch? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to figure out how to write what this topic is in a headline. <laughs> no, 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 I like your, 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 three, your first one was good. I just com- I just debated the movie choice. But so did you with Dingus. I've noticed that's the only part of it that's causing problems in the topic so far. <laughs> you want to see that with Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> uh, like the part that's possible. <laughs> is the part you get hung up on, not the impossible right. part. But I was bummed because while Dingus was talking, I realized all mine are writers in a way. And so it makes me feel like I didn't do it right either. Because I see Lincoln as a writer. He was a good writer, right? Okay. This one's kind Wait, of. Wait, no, no. Tom, you're next. Oh. Oh, oh, geez. Oh, good Lord. Oh, Kelly Wand, it's not your turn. Kelly, oh what are you doing? Yeah. Quit trying to jump on me with what that. Because this is the only one that I like. All right. <laughs> I want to watch Game Change with Sarah Palin. Uh, oh game, my God! <laughs> game Change is the 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 movie about the the election between uh, McCain and Obama, where McCain tapped Sarah Palin to be the vice presidential candidate, and it was my feeling that's where he squarely lost the election. Uh, although after 2016, who can say what things would happen? Uh, but I love that movie, and I I, lo- I have such. Uh, a weird fondness and attraction to Sarah Palin. Like I kind of really am into Sarah Palin. I think her Ugh. beliefs are reprehensible and I think she's a horrible politician and should never hold a public office in anything for anything larger than the town of Wasilla. But I'm, I'm super fascinated by her and, and I really like game change. I never liked the Tina Fey, uh, Sarah Palin's because I always felt that there was, the underlying Tina Fey Sarah Palin was very thinly veiled, not even veiled, uh, was contempt. I feel that Tina Fey Sarah Palin imitation was done out of pure contempt. Uh, And and I I don't (laughs) think that that's earned in the way that Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump is out of contempt. Like that that feels completely appropriate to me because I I honestly feel like Donald Trump's a horrible person. He deserves that contempt. Um, And she's not to you. She's not. So and then do you think? Pardon? Are you are you talking about her deserving pity where Donald Trump does not? He's into her. He likes her physically. I think he's saying that's part well, of no. Kelly Wan. Which I but still I'm for even the difference that between them because as soon as he said that, I thought about Alec Baldwin. Right. Because his is contemptuous as well. So and the Tom's into him too. Physically. Oh please, but Alec Baldwin, sure. Uh, the difference between Sarah Palin and uh, and Donald Trump, and this is what I really appreciate in the movie uh, Game Change. Like during the election, I was just into her because she, I think she's hot. She's a uh, Alaskan. She's an Alaskan beauty queen, Kelly Wan. Don't go. Ugh. Thirty years ago, she's hot. So there's she a word on, for that. She was Listen. on the front page of Runner's Magazine. She was. Yeah, she Kelly was, Wan in that yeah. tight outfit. Come on, ugh. come on. That's like erotica. That, 
You're fucking that brain too. Don't ever forget that. You're fucking the brain. So here's the thing, Kelly Wan, that I Jeez, that I really like about about Game Change. Game Change, which is based on a book about the election, and when that's my uh, sales pitch to myself. Yes, Game Change. Uh, when they when they uh, adapted into a script, they just decided to focus on the the choice of Sarah Palin and her arc. And Julianne Moore's rep- portrayal of of Sarah Palin is super sympathetic. And yeah. and I, I imagine this is partly just the way an actor approaches a role. Uh, you know, that's you can't just do it out of contempt if you really want to to do a character arc in a, in a serious movie you want to understand that character uh, and she does such a great job with this script of humanizing Sarah Palin now not lionizing her and not whitewashing her instead the portrayal mm. of Sarah Palin in game change and one of the reasons that I think it's worth paying attention to is because Sarah Palin has disavowed it. Uh, people who are still in Sarah Palin's orbit has di- have disavowed it. John McCain has even said he, he won't watch it. Uh, the, the movie represents Sarah Palin as someone who is just completely out of her depth. And and that's that is clearly what happened too. Like she did she she's not the kind of person that should be running for vice president. And in the movie, Julianne Moore plays her as someone who doesn't realize this. And who, by the time that this is apparent, is in complete denial about it because she believes what her handlers have been telling her and what they have been desperately telling her, hoping that it will come true. Uh, namely, you know, people love you. Uh, you should be vice president. That's that's great what you did. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you, you clearly have uh, mastery of this. And, and to their dawning horror – they realize that she doesn't understand these things, and they have no idea how to represent her. And furthermore, she's starting to crack. Like this isn't working for her. She's not up to the job, much less the campaign. Um, the challenge at all, yeah. The challenge at all, yeah. Uh, and and the, Julianne Moore in the movie itself just humanizes this so much, even though by the time the movie is over, she's become this terrible martinet who's dictating what she wants to do, and she wants to get out there for the concession speech, even though there's no there's no precedent for that. Uh, she's a she's a little tyrant by the time the movie is over. But that's not where she begins, and that's not you know the movie isn't trying to make excuses. For her, or cover up the fact that she became a terrible person. Um, so was I love she that movie. chasing? I don't remember. Was she chasing celebrity at that point? Because she became basically just somebody who was chasing being a celebrity. Right. She was not a person like like. It's telling that she was a beauty uh, contestant. Uh, I think like in her college years, she was a newscaster. She has a degree in, in communications, which is basically what I, I, I think pretty girls who are smart do if they don't want to just do dumb modeling or whatever. Uh, so I, I think she's someone, and the movie reinforces this, uh, who craves adulation. Uh, and, and there's a uh. point in the movie where Woody Harrelson basically says that's what it takes to go into politics, is you, uh. want, pe- you want people to love you. Uh, so I, I think that's it's uh. not that she was chasing celebrity so much as she was just human, and suddenly she was put in a situation where she was told, yeah, everybody loves you, and you're going to basically save the world, uh, and then she believed that. It also makes, by the way, a really cool point that I think is lost on a lot of people who who just have contempt for her. Um, Sarah Palin, conservative Christian, like I don't agree with her politics, but regardless of all of that, she had just had a baby who had Down syndrome. Her son had just been deployed to uh, Iraq. Uh, her her teenage daughter was pregnant out of out of wedlock. 
Um, you know, she was, as a mother, under a lot of strain. And, and this was yeah. during the campaign when people were pressing her, and, and, and they realized things like she doesn't know why North and South Korea are separate. She doesn't know who the players were in World War II. Uh, you know, so they were, they were basically – they were forcing her to take the equivalent of college classes about basic stuff that politicians should know, and she simply didn't have the mind for that. Uh, and it's so in – a, in a way – uh, watching Julianne Moore play her as just completely mm. beleaguered and trying to take notes for everything she hears and just completely being lost and, and just overwhelmed with all this detail. Uh, Were you going to say the word haranguing? Well, that's part – I mean they're not haranguing her because they are her – they have to be the, – the weird thing, and I love how the movie captures this, is this – the people who were responsible for basically educating her, because she was she was an ignorant woman in many ways, uh, were subservient to her, because she could fire them, and she did fire some of them. They had to basically drill facts into her head against her will, without antagonizing her too much and getting fired. Uh, it's basically like like yeah, a okay. almost a royal court. Uh, uh, okay, um, I was thinking more from now, the point of view of like the the classic way that. Uh, that the that the quote unquote liberal media is is viewed. So when you get asked a question like what what magazines do you read, all of them, um, she was just not <laughs> equipped to answer that kind of question. And, yeah, and the way that you present it, that all of these other things that she's dealing with at that time. I mean, I'm not saying that she's blameless, but nevertheless, you have to realize she's a human being and she's given birth and all of those things that you're talking about in her family difficulties. Um, I mean, that's that's uh, yeah. I, I think you make a good point. Well, and really, the whole deal with Sarah Palin too, and you know, she she now is someone who's chasing celebrity. I mean, she's kind of pathetic yeah, now, exactly. more so than yeah. than she ever was. Uh, but she, she didn't seek this. Like this came to right. her. It's true. She, they the the and and what game change is about, uh, and it is so prescient and it is so much more relevant now is McCain's campaign handlers completely abandoning any concern for whether what they're doing is correct in in favor uh, of winning you know they there there's a there's a super tacked on point near the end of the movie where Woody Harrison and uh, Peter McNichol and uh, I think uh, Jamie Sheridan uh, they're at a bar and they say uh, do we think this woman is qualified to to be in the office but throughout the movie and I'm sure that if you're a professional working on a campaign you don't ask if what if what you're doing is is right is what you should be doing. Uh, that's not what a campaign handler's job is. Mm. Uh, it it makes me think of the the Michael Ritchie movie, which I, I adore this movie, uh, The Candidate, uh, with Robert Redford and Peter Boyle as his campaign manager. At the end of The Candidate, that that just amazing '70s ending where Robert Redford says to Peter Boyle, "What do we do now?" And Peter Boyle doesn't have an answer for him and doesn't even hear the question because that's not his job. You know, he just gets someone elected. And, and a campaign is completely different than actually being a, a leader or a governor. Right. So right, right. so so what game change is about, the, the blame for what happened with Sarah Palin, I think rests with John McCain's campaign. And right. and according to the movie, and Ed Harris is so good as McCain, by the way, he gets that that McCain rictus, that smile that he has, and the physical awkwardness of a man who you know, his body was broken when he was a prisoner of war, and he can't raise his arms. Ed Harris, who's normally – Ed Harris can be a great badass, but he's such a kind of a benevolent, 
well-meaning figure uh, the way he represents McCain. McCain, I think, since then has fallen a long way, but in Game Change, uh, he just goes along with what his campaign senior advisor tells him to do with Sarah Palin, uh, is that this is what we need to do. We're behind in the polls. There's these objectives that tapping Sarah Palin as the candidate will meet those objectives. We should do this. Uh, and they kept from McCain, by the way, for a long time, the fact that she was falling apart and she had no idea what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just I, remember at the time when when that I remember vividly when that nomination when when not nomination, is that what you would call it? When when he selected her. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember um, the conservative females in my life that are my relatives, mainly talking about, oh, she's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. Yeah, that was their main thing that they said. She's so oh, beautiful. Which is true. And these are smart women who are who – are <laughs> ma- their, their main reaction was, she's so beautiful. Let's, well, let's put her in office. The, 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 I mean the four things they were going for is they needed to uh, close the gap for women who were approving of, of Obama. They needed to – you know, the whole thing with energizing the base, and I'm guessing right. that's an example, Dingus, of energizing the base. Uh, they needed to reach out to independents, and they needed to separate McCain from, from Bush's circle. Uh, right. and, and Sarah Palin accomplished all of those things, but it also represented – and this is why I think that the name Game Change is apt. It represented that – in nowhere in these considerations is is she qualified for office right. that didn't that never even because the the vetting too they notoriously rushed the vetting so when right. they realized kind of how uneducated they was that was a surprise to them that should have been that could have been discovered very early on by just subjecting her to some policy questions um, but nowhere and and that now is I think what happened with modern politics where we have Trump in office is never is one of the considerations for the Republican Party should this person be in office. The consideration is only can this person win an election. But now – right. But even with Palin, it seemed like they were like, well, shit, she's dumber than we thought. Fuck, we got to cover this up. And now Trump is like almost the opposite lesson. Like, see, no one gives a shit. Like it doesn't even matter to to appear competent. Like Sarah Palin's a quaint era now. Like she would have been better even. Well, that's a step in the ladder to get us here. Yeah, and they, exactly. And that's that's one of the really prescient moments because Game Change was made before Trump was even nominated, of course. Right. Uh, is there there's a point where they during this sort of tacked on, hey, let's make sure that we make the handlers not look terribly evil. Uh, one of them says something about we're seeing now the dark side of populism with because right. they, they convince when they realize that uh, that he's still going to lose the election with Palin, they convince John McCain to start running negative ads uh, and to start highlighting mm-hmm. uh, Obama's mm-hmm. connection to radical uh, black activists. Oh, that's um, right. And, and McCain right. has to write off on this. He has to say, OK, right. let's, let's do Man that. Man of integrity. And, and so that's and, – and the movie sh- shows that this is where people – all this stuff about Obama being a Muslim, like that wasn't – that, that was encouraged, and that was used, that was right. courted in the election. Appeal uh, to the worst a- instincts of idiots. The dark side of populism, exactly. Right. Uh, and they lost, barely, really. Eh, not yeah. barely. I don't, there was, uh, no, not barely. There was no way McCain – no. So McCain was not going to – first of all, Kelly Wan, we didn't have Russians uh, using – uh, social media uh, to <laughs> to advocate for one of the candidates. Like there was no coordinated right. campaign overseas involving subverting uh, the media to to get Sarah Palin and McCain elected. They hadn't thought of it. Yet. 
Right, and thought yeah. of it yet, and Fox News can only do so much on their own. That's and Obama the didn't lose by three million votes either. Right, right. Uh, yes. Whenever you bring up this, I I always think of the because uh, they both have the word game in them. I think of the Valerie Plame one, which is uh, fair, fair game. game. Not oh yeah, the, yeah, right, not right. The Cindy Crawford. When, and when one, Dingus but, says fair game, I think of the Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford, yeah, right, right. No, the, he's the, the Vera Farmiga one, right? Way better. Yeah. No, it's um, <laughs> Naomi Watts. Right. Dingus it is. is yes. Should, it should be Vera Farmiga. Oh, you're right. It should be. But it's it's a Doug Liman movie. But uh, right, but I really love that movie. But when when you were them. when you were first talking about Game Change, I was like, is he talking about the Valerie Plane? No, can't be. No, that doesn't have no. Sarah Palin in it. <laughs> And Julianne Moore's Sarah Palin is like super hot too. Well, yeah, and Tina Fey's was. That's no, the thing. no, Those are... not. Tina Fey's was not. She's hot. Eh, she's she's okay. She doesn't register <laughs> for me. Much like much like Madeline Stowe for Dingus, Tina Fey doesn't register for me. Wait, who wasn't registering for you last week? <laughs> uh, Sam Worthington. Sam, Sam Worthington. <laughs> <laughs> Olga Kurilenko. <laughs> right, well, oh, she's no Andrea Risenborough. Right. right, right, exactly. Yeah. Olga Karolinka, she's fine, but yeah. Uh, all right, so we're wrong. So uh, we're at Kelly's you, number two now. Kelly, now you're number two. I'm going to watch Game Change. And, and I don't want, like, I just want to. But never mind. What? I mainly want to watch Sarah Palin watching Game Change. Oh, that's the thing I was going to ask, I was going to follow up on is like, what's the viewing experience supposed to be like? Or she's yeah. just gonna be because it ends with you said it ends with her becoming a tyrant. Yeah, yeah. Now you're subjecting your crush to a movie that says, "And look what happened!" And then she gets to watch herself lose the election again. So you'd be kind of a but dick it, to her, kind of but like Cersei and Dread, if you ask me. <laughs> but kind of, no, but it's kind of a fascinating thought experiment to go off of. You know, something Tom's talked about for the last couple of weeks about like thought experiments in movies is that is this idea of. Seeing the way she would react to the movie and say, "No, not now, now, that's not what happened." Actually, pause it, right? And then her talk for a little bit, or if you know, just I mean, that's kind of an interesting idea to watch the the movie about the person with the person because you're watching I thought about more than the movie. Yeah, that was my theory behind the topic that no one really gave a shit about, (laughs) including me. But what? But what is your number two, Kelly Wand? What is your second favorite movie that you would watch with someone, and why? And who are you going to watch it with? <laughs> all bunch of gibberish. Uh, all right, this one's a little arcane. Um, uh, a little bit of a setup is necessary, but okay. When I was in high school, I had a goofy friend. I was goofy, but my friends were even goofier than me. Named Ken, and this movie came out. It was called uh, Gourmet Zombie Chef from Hell. Do da You've seen that, Tom? I, I am not familiar with that one, believe it or not. Okay, it's really cheap, and these are like just some sample lines from it. Don't go in there. The devil himself lives in there. You'll never come out alive. Don't listen to him, Stella. I make deliveries here. It's fine food. Are you sure it looks a little evil in there? I'm on board. Uh, and then he finds that they killed his girlfriend, and he comes in and goes, Holy shit, you assholes. What's going on here? Sounds like perfectly plausible dialogue to me. And a midget comes in and goes, excuse me, asshole, I'm here about the fucking job. Okay, well, Tom, now it got weird. Now you don't like it. <laughs> so <laughs> there's this... They're shooting yeah. midgets. They shoot midgets, don't they? 
So anyway, uh, what Dingus was trying to say is uh, there's a scene where a cop comes into the establishment and he tells the zombie chef from hell, his name is Goza, freeze you assholes, I'm a cop. And then the guy takes his fist and punches his head off (laughs) and blood shoots out of it. So my friend Ken became obsessed with this. And so I was hanging out with him. Uh, a year after we'd seen this movie, and he'd like say lines from it and run them into the ground. And I noticed he was drinking out of a glass mug, and it said on it in like really pretty engraving, uh, "Jesus freeze you, F R E S S O B. I'm a cop." And I go, "What the fuck?" And he's all, "Yeah, I got the I got it engraved, and they misunderstood what I meant, and so they wrote it like that. That's what they thought." And I go. That's awesome. He's all, no. And he was super irritated. He's like, they fucked it up. That's not what it's supposed to say. Jesus frees you. Ugh. So I want to watch that movie with the engraver of that glass mug and see and go. Now you understand. Because I just picture is this really like like a nice Christian like talk radio lady, maybe a little elderly. And she's like, oh, Jesus, please. Like, it made her thoughtful that day. Like, oh, that's a nice sentiment. Jesus, please. Yes, it'd be. I'm a cop. Yeah, it's about law enforcement and blessings. And uh, and so she engraved that. Like, that made sense to her. And I just want to watch her watch that while Tom behind us watches with Sarah Palin. Oh, sweet. I can come along with my date. All right. Awesome. Yeah, and you're, you're facing one way in your screen, and we're facing Gourmet Zombie Show from Hell. So... Palin can hear my movie, and the engraver lady can hear <laughs> Game Change. That's my number two. So you guys are like all in a train car. Yeah. And you and McGregor. I mean, Kenneth Branagh. Who is it in fucking Murder Orient Express movie? Daisy we never Ridley. did a podcast on that. Right. Johnny Depp's greatest role since Black Mass. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. that Tom's Tom's favorite. Uh, what what's your favorite one? Black Mass, you mean? My favorite one, what? Your favorite Johnny Depp role recently? Mordecai. Mordecai. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I gotta watch that. I did. I, that's what I was thinking too. Watching uh, Gwyneth Paltrow in Infinity Wars, I was like, she was so much fun in Mordecai. I'd rather her be with Johnny Depp right now. <laughs> I'll I'll try to watch that this month. I it might not be for it. you, Kelly Wand. No. I, it's one of, I, I remember in the trailer, uh, it's one of those movies where he's holding like a blunderbuss and he accidentally shoots someone in the face with it or something. And he goes, sorry, I, 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 a movie I like. I really think that Mordecai has just got this weird uh, snowballing bad press that it doesn't deserve. I think it's a really solid right. comedy. I think I don't like but it, like people started like slagging off and getting bad reviews and. It was this school of reviewing where you just like write a funny takedown, and I think it just yeah. sort of propagated itself. And th- I don't understand the the disdain for Mordecai. Like it's, I think it's a great piece of work. Paul Bettany, trust- yeah, yeah. I think he's saw it, right? Back me up on this. Yeah, I, I saw it. We talked about it a little bit. I think he's. I, I think most importantly, Johnny Depp's really going for it. I mean, he's just yeah. going for it, and I think you have to appreciate that. Never trust Rotten Tomato scores when it comes to comedies. I don't trust the press. Well, some or movies horror are movies. funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you say so. Kelly Wan, Mordecai was uh, directed by the writer of The Mummy. The, the Cruise one? <laughs> yeah. 
I that mean, you want to see it? This, the son of Burt Lancaster wrote only two movies: The Thing and Bad News Bears. So, oh, that's quite a. I don't know. That's quite a catalog. That's the same mind, and those those are two very different keys. Right. right. So the lesson is there is no lesson. There right. is no spoon, Tom. Well, Kelly so. Wand, is there a number? Oh no, it's Dingus. You like to hear mine. It is my turn. I screwed my segue up. Uh, Pretend that Dingus said that and that I segued to it. And now, Dingus, well, what's your number one pick of what movie you want to watch with someone? (laughs) Dingus's are all sweet. He actually, like, thought about it. Uh, This one is sweet, too, but it's also going to be a little bit uncomfortable. So I'll I'll probably do light brushes on it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, Turned it sexy. uh, Here's a, here's a quote from it. You know, you and Herman deserve each other. You're both little children. And this is from a little movie called Rushmore. Uh, that is one of my favorite movies I've ever watched ever. Um, and it's one of those rare movies that I, I went to watch. Um, uh, and I left feeling better than when I went in. There's just a couple of movies that I can point to that, that I really left feeling more, just more. I just left feeling more. There's sometimes when you leave a movie uh, that you just feel excited, but sometimes you feel more joy. And Rushmore just did that for me. I know that Tom's not crazy about this movie. That's fine. Um, And I understand his objections to it. Uh, But the person I would most like to watch this movie with, and this is doable, and it will be doable within a certain amount of time, um, is my son. Uh, I would really like to watch Rushmore with my son, but... Every time I watch it, I, I watch it periodically and think, is it time yet? I mean, it's an R-rated movie. He's watched a couple of R-rated movies. Uh, in fact, he he has a selection for um, <laughs> for this topic, Kelly, that I'll share with you uh, when you do the listener submissions. Because I asked him to think about, well, what movie would you like to see again? Or what, what movie would you like to see and who would you like to see it with? Uh, so he's got a selection as well. So he's seen a couple of our movies that are, are far more crass and, uh, difficult and violent than Rushmore is. That's not that Rushmore is just, uh, an intense, it's got an intense family vibe to it. Um, and when I watch it, it's, it's my problem. It's not a problem. I don't know that it necessarily would be a problem for him because there are a couple moments that are just basically like, uh, one of the quotes is, uh, and again, I'm sort of uh, burdening you guys with a little bit of personal knowledge, uh, is that kids don't like it when their parents get divorced. Uh, so there's this whole like divorce thing hanging over this movie and parental death and just just weird, awkward transitions of students going from middle school to high school and not being able to, to deal with uh, a lot of the things that they have to deal with in life because of their parents and, and how their parents are failures in different ways. Um, and so I love this movie so much. It's so near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I really want to watch it with my son because it is so near and dear to my heart. And we just watched another one of Wes Anderson's movies recently. Um, you know, my, my kid likes uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, for instance, but I, I don't know that... Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm 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 of two minds about this. It, it's it's a difficult movie to deal with because of the family stuff, but I really want my kid to see it. So it's it's 
it's a weird thing to say to do this to your topic, Kelly. I mean, this is something that I could do tomorrow. I could watch it with them tomorrow. I mean, that's not something. That's I was pretty impossible. rigid with conditions, Dingus. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. <laughs> but this is more. This is more of like a personal, like you know, like how school buses back in the day had governors on their engines, so they can't go above a certain mile per hour. This is just one of those weird things that that is more of my hang-up than it is uh, any other consideration. Um, but it is something that I'm really, really looking forward to doing. Uh, it's just gearing up to do it. So uh, when you said that, when you, when you launched this topic, a, a bunch of things came to mind. And this is one that I kind of got around to and kind of avoided because I thought it might be too personal or emotional to share. Uh, but, uh, nevertheless, I decided to do the thing that I often do is that, well, if you're afraid of it, just do it. So that's why I'm sharing it. There you go. Rush more with my kid. Hmm. I was hoping you would, Mm -hmm. you go first. I was looking forward to Kiernan's review of killing of a sacred deer next year. (sighs) I've been told Kelly Wan that he's allowed to see jaws. Really? Uh, I did actually think about that. Uh, I did think about that, Tom. Um, uh, because he is kind of ready to see it, and his mom has no interest in watching it whatsoever because she's terrified of that movie. Sure, and, yeah. uh, and I know that you kind of like it, um, but I would like for the three of us to watch that as well. But I, I, I opted for Jaws the Revenge because I think it's a superior movie <laughs> to Jaws. By the way, Jaws the Revenge and the short story Call of Cthulhu have the same ending. No. Yep. <laughs> Wrong. Why are you saying guy, no? Why are you saying the no? The guy swims because from it, a plane and his shirt is dry? Close. Because on one occasion, on one of those occasions, it doesn't work. And it doesn't matter. It's the same works. ending. Whether it takes or not, it ends the same way. So somebody oh, gets stabbed with a boat? Yep. <laughs> it doesn't end the it, same way. Exactly, Dingus. Somebody, the, the, the monster gets stabbed with a boat. Yeah, I guess what other movie ends that way? Ooh. Speed 2? Nope. The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Oh, is that what happens to Ursula? Yep. Oh, man, they stole that from Call of Cthulhu or Jaws 4. Huh. All right. Okay, well, my number one movie that I want to see and who I want to see it with, uh, this weekend, Tully is opening. It's the uh, Jason Reitman movie that Diablo Cody wrote. Mackenzie Davis is in it with Charlize Theron. Looking forward to seeing it. I've also been told that I should see a horror movie called Revenge. So I'll be seeing one of those two movies next, and I want to see those movies with no one in particular because unlike you guys, I don't remember who I see movies with. There to me is is nothing interactive about watching a movie unless Kelly Wand is nudging me with his elbow or Alexandra is telling me that an actor looks like someone. Unless someone is like interacting with me, I, I the movie gets my full attention. Like I'm there to, to let everything else fall away and to – to pay attention to a movie. Shut so, up. Well, Kelly Wand, yeah, I don't want to listen to babies. Uh, so, Kelly Wand, when you mentioned before looking at a statue and how, uh, to me, that's far more interactive and something that I would want to do with someone than watching a movie. Uh, <laughs> when I look at a statue, that's like something I would want to talk about while I'm looking at it with someone. While I'm watching a movie, I don't want to talk to people. Like, I don't want to have don't a conversation care. during the movie. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not watching – a movie is one of the least interactive – second only maybe to reading a book. A movie is one of the least interactive things that uh, I could do. And a book, at least I could have someone like reading that to me or I could read a book to someone. But a book is a, a movie, solitary journey even more though, I think. 
Not if you have someone read it to you. Like I, I used to do that for road trips. Like have someone read a book. Uh, Dingus has read books to me. I love listening. Having That's Dingus not read interacting. Me. You don't. You don't think no. You should, you've never had Dingus read a short story to you and do different voices. That's a good point. <laughs> but and that's my was, whole thing. Was it Laird Beeren too? You bet. Yeah, yeah. Men, men from men, men of Orlock. Orlock, yeah. Uh, so that's my whole thing about this topic, Kelly Wan, Is I don't see movies like I and and I mentioned this before. I don't remember who I've seen what movie with, unless it's something uh, where something memorable happens. Like Dingus, you mentioned the fact that you kept screaming like a little girl when we saw Slither, uh, and I Aww. wouldn't have even. I'm not even sure I remember that dingus so much as I remember you remembering it. <laughs> right, yeah. Because, yeah. uh, when I, again, when I watch a movie, I'm just – it's just me in the movie. Uh, it's – unless it's something dumb like I'm narrating Chupacabra Terror for something, which is a very interactive <laughs> movie for me. I like to show that to people and I like to point things out because it's not a real movie. It's a, it's a goof. It's a lark. It's a, the, the act of watching Chupacabra Terror is what's interesting, not Chupacabra Terror. But when Have I go to a ever- movie – go ahead. Have you ever made out during a movie? Well, yeah, but I'm not paying attention. I don't consider that watching a movie. I have, yeah. but uh, I, I made out during Schindler's List, and I got in such trouble with my parents. Well, you shouldn't <laughs> do that, Dingus. It's insensitive. Right. Tom doesn't get your Seinfeld jokes. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, but, I, don't under, I don't understand TV references. I've, yeah, I made out during movies. and I, that's But it's kind not of, watching a movie. That's, that yeah. you're ma- the, the primary action there is, is making out. Kelly, right. if you want to do a 3x3 three three of people I want to make out with, well, I can tell you there will be a double appearance that's on this 3x3 three three list. But that would be a separate 3x3. Three three. <laughs> Wait, have you ever seen a movie baked? Drax like, uh, no. yourself. Not making out with Sarah, with the Drax. Uh, have you ever... Like yeah, done drugs and watched a movie. Like sure, taken ass and watched Ed. Of course. Okay, well, not Ed. I don't watch monkeys movies. Oh, the movie's great on acid. You should check it out, bro. <laughs> Everything's great on acid. You don't you wouldn't even know. You would have no idea whether or not that's a I told you the last time I got stoned watching oh, a movie, it was Dawn of the Dead, and I spent the movie just marveling at how awesome one of the actors was who played a scientist, wondering, Why is this guy famous? He's such a good actor, he's so good. And I'm sure if I were to go back and watch it, I don't even remember. It, it, Wait, I, and that was weed. Right. So I was saying, last time I got stoned and watched a movie, it's the last time I did drugs and watched a movie, was Dawn of the Dead. Or Day of the Dead, sorry. Did you ever watch Alice in Wonderland on Mushrooms, bro? I don't even think I've seen Alice. I don't watch cartoons, Kelly Wand. <sighs> so why? What does that have to do? Like, I'm just saying that I don't think of movies as... That's I, that's why that's I was so also like me, yeah. I would watch someone watching a movie, and I love showing people movies, like yeah. movies that I've seen that I know I, I want other people to watch, and that's something complete. That's something a little bit different because I'm not invested so much in watching the movie as having someone else watch it as well. But that just means your bar is in a different spot because you go, I'm going to watch Sarah Palin watch uh, Game Change. Like, well, I just need I want an excuse to hang out with her. Really, that's what that. I was. knew it. You know, you can do better. I, do. I love the shared experience though, and that's that's why I hate 3D. It's a democracy. Um, Because 3D is such an isolating experience for me, and um, uh, you know I love going to the movies alone. I I, I do too. You know, I have uh, I have a number of people that I've met through my life uh, who are like, "You go to the movies alone? That's sad. No, it's awesome. It's scary, or that's weird. Right out? No, it's great. I love it." I it's, thought it was weird the first time, and I'm like, no, I 
I prefer it to be honest. But but also, but there are certain movies that I want to share with certain people. Like you know, sure. going to see um, Infinity War with Kiernan. I mean, that's a big deal for me. Uh, and getting getting like his reactions to it, uh, or getting to see uh, another movie with uh, with Alexandra, even though she's going to be like. Not, it's not. It's probably not going to be a good movie. It's going to be one of our January, February releases. But I get to share it with somebody, or getting to see a certain movie with Tom, or getting to see um, Phase Seven with the two of you guys, uh, and us all laughing when the, those two people walked out at that key moment right. in the movie, uh, the, 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 or seeing Midnight Run for the first time in a theater with my dad and him being embarrassed <laughs> at all the language in it. Um, there, there are so many. Oh, uh, experiences that i remember i and part of it is because you know and tom makes fun of me for you know keeping my diary with me um i write down who i saw the movie with and i remember that and it's it's sort of a cherished memory for me because movies are so important to me as as sort of a shared experience as well as as a solitary experience i mean you can have you can have it both ways but i mean i respect what tom is saying but i definitely remember i remember the movies that i've seen uh, sort of, I my brain bookmarks them as who I've seen them with. Yeah, I don't even that make that just doesn't. Yeah. I don't have a slot for that in my brain. Yeah, I like I have a slot for the movie. I have a slot for conversation about uh, conversations about the movie. Of course, I have a slot for when I get applauded by the audience for telling a woman to take her baby outside. I remember that, <laughs> but that's completely independent of the movie itself. Uh, yeah, I guess I just compartmentalize all of that. Uh, uh, there was. I wish I could remember who it was, but there was someone who compared like, like compared movies to like church for them. It was like you you uh, go into some place yeah. and you have a direct relationship with God in church, but you go into a movie and you have a direct relationship with the I guess director would be the with Annabelle here. Uh, with Annabelle or with Sarah Palin as played by Julianne Moore or whatever, <laughs> or with Jesus exactly Kelly Wand right. Yeah. Some people have that. Uh, well, you've had That's, that experience. I mean, uh, you know, being on stage or being in a in a in a television show or being on a movie, and then meeting somebody that you don't know and they act like they already know you because they've seen you in this thing. I mean, that's something that happens. You know, e- you know, even when I was on stage in high school, and then going to the grocery store, and the person acted like we already had a relationship, like the the person at the checkout counter just and talked they did. to me, like right. exactly because they saw you in something and they they had this experience. Yeah. And and it was experience just between you and them, and you and the other act- them and the other du- actors, them and the director. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of how I look at it. It's not an experience thing. It's when you and I go see something. I don't. I mean, I'm happy to have you there, and I'm happy to drive there and drive back, and I like being with you. But I don't remember that you're sitting next to me unless we interact somehow. Uh, like, what's the hand job? What is the last? No, oh what is the last thing we saw together? Wait, wait. I, I don't l- know. Hold on. Let me. I remember this. going to see, see something with know? our friend. You I remember going that. to see one, – one of my favorite memories is going to see something with our friend Tony and then afterward uh, Tony privately saying to you, has he ever seen a movie before? Because I am so vocal during movies. He, Tony was Tony was kind of like, is he used to going to movies? I know he knows about going to movies, but he's reacting very weirdly. Yeah, and, that, and, that, and that was something after the movie as well. Yeah. What about yeah, when you stole Dingus's diary? That was good. Oh, that was because he didn't know I was there. Right, that was good. And again, I don't even think the movie had started at that point. Uh, well, what? Come on, Dingus, I'm going to press you on this. What was the last movie we saw together? Surely you remember this because I know I don't. I remember when we all watched Young Adult. Uh, 
We saw lot. young adult together. Yeah, because Dingus had a screener. Because oh. we thought we'd, we'd podcast about it, and then okay. I just I loathed it, and we all, none of us enjoyed it. See, I remember that you loathed it, and I remember having conversations about it, but I w- it wouldn't have occurred to me that we saw it together. We saw Conan uh, together. That I remember because you talked during it, and I remember yeah, that. that was and, and that's a that's a fine movie to talk during. I didn't mind. Uh, yeah. You you uh, enhanced it. There was a lot of nothing going on. So go on, Dingus. What what was the last time we saw a movie together? What was it? Surely you. Uh, know we went to see like no checking your diary. No checking your diary. We went to see Tomb Raider together. Really? Yeah. God, I would not have remembered. That was that. a long time ago. That was the last one. You guys That's didn't not see that it. long ago. Tomb Raider no, was not, not that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. But I honestly think it's would not have remembered that. If you, it's like asking me is a movie in black and white. Like that's just not. I, I sort of subsume the memory a certain way. You didn't see Death. We saw Death Wish with you. Yeah. Good lord, I don't remember that. <laughs> wow. <No. laughs> All right. Nice. All right. Well, Kelly Wan. So there you go. There's me being a, a wet blanket for the topic. Uh, so no, you did it well. You. That's the joke. That's the great irony. Is even though you hated the topic, you still did it correctly. Oops. Although not quite as excitedly as Dingus did. But I knew Dingus would go family, even Diesel. Did you know that I would unleash my See it with my partner. grandkids. Watch, uh... <laughs> watch right, well, Kelly with my I, I just remember us giggling at certain things in Tomb Raider. We saw Spider-Man. <laughs> together. Well, Spider-Man oh, wound, no. wound up on your list because of us seeing it together. That's we right, watched, Dingus, uh, we giggled at, at uh, Derek Jacoby. I remember that. That's that's why I remember seeing it with oh, you. It's because okay. we both thought that that was really funny with Derek Jacoby. He's the lawyer in the paperwork. Right. Okay. I do remember it's that. It's actually annoying to see movies together because then no one wants to talk afterwards. Well, here's the, here's the deal with me, Kelly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Here's my issue with seeing movies with people sometimes. Uh, I find myself – worrying is the other person liking the movie like like is it like if i'm really into the movie i'm worried the other person might not be but more importantly if i'm not into a movie i'm super worried the other person might really be into it and i don't want to be and i don't (laughs) i don't want to be a jerk uh afterwards because i know what it's like to really love a movie and someone else being going no that was terrible uh so well well, witness you know uh alexandra walking out of free fire right exactly dingus right I like that, though, because she really – I like – I mean it's a vote. That's the thing about movies. It's democracy. And yeah, I but love, it, I love it's also like are you, are you a bad boyfriend because you don't leave as well? No, and you're then, not. No, you're not. <laughs> Tell her I said no. Well, Tom was pretty emphatic that I was. But he was what? kind of griefing me. Yeah, he's um, like, yeah. you, you should have left. What, what, what are you doing? I watched Spanglish <laughs> all the way through and pretended I – did you oh, pretend God. you liked Spanglish or did no. you break up? Spanglish. No, I can't. No, we stayed together, but I couldn't. I didn't. I didn't lie about liking Spanglish. I, I, I was less vocal about how much I disliked it. You know, I saved my that mom, for you guys. My mom went out on a date with a dude, and uh, the guy pretended to like Prince of Persia with Jake Gyllenhaal, and I'm like, come on, don't give me that. But then later on, he liked Prometheus, so maybe he was telling the truth. <laughs> uh, Cinema Score should get a hold of that guy. He sounds like just their kind of person. Target audience. <laughs> Kelly Wan, what's your number one? I want to see this movie with someone. Pick. Uh, a friend of the podcast told me this is the inspiration for the topic, and then it's really fast. Uh, when she saw Infinity War, there were a couple Americans sitting in a row ahead of her, and they were cheering everything, like just totally ruining the movie because they were super loud and dumb and like, like, nice, like every fucking line. Like, Dingus would have been annoyed. And then... Uh, 
she said that when Guardians of the Galaxy came on and there's that song playing in the shit, the guy stood up and shazammed the song, which I guess is an app where you find out what the song is you're listening to. It tells you what it is. So you're not actually doing any work. And then he, he pumped his fist when it said what it was. He's like, yeah. Well, it's it, the lyric is Mr. Rubber Band Man. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> how, do you, how do you not, <laughs> not know that, what that song out. is? <laughs> I don't know. I'm embarrassed I didn't know what Shazam was. So I feel like Oh, I Shazam is an app. All right, yeah. So my point is, I really I, I equate that with sense of wonder at a movie, or the opposite of it. So I would want to watch the movie 2001: A Space Odyssey with H.G. Wells, because he existed before computers. And I want to see like if he likes the Hal stuff or just gets bored at the end and just goes, ugh, fuck that. Shit. How does the lead up? Why didn't you just say I want to see 2001 with H.G. Wells? What was I don't understand the relevance of the other stuff. Because the the guy Shazam the song is at the opposite extreme of that experience. Like to him, he just goes to a movie and it, he sees it as a reason to use his Shazam and stand up and be retarded. And H.G. Wells, who's never seen a movie or a computer, would come in and watch 2001 and like go, oh, wait, I thought of a way to do that way better. Hang on, let me write something down. So he could give it notes. Yeah. Like just smart. It's a. It's basically a contrast between stupid people and smart I see. people. Right. Yeah. What if That's Abe the Lincoln's connection, like, What if Abe Lincoln's like, can't I come too? That's the thing. Would he want to go back? But he said he liked San Dimas. Right. He said it was. He said it was a. It was an awesome city or something. Kelly Wan, did you know that? Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey has a D minus on cinema score. Now? Oh. They be, we can't. Have, there's not a cinema score for Dingus, that. Dingus, Dingus, don't, don't, shh, Dingus, be quiet. This oh, is sorry. the uh, bit Tom too. telling you that reviews for Return of the King were really bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Kelly Wan, do the listeners have any movies they want to watch with anyone? And who is that person? And what is that movie? And why? Oh! <laughs> They mostly wow. didn't write in because they thought the topic was idiotic. So we, we don't know that for sure. Well, it might have just been know. too difficult for them, or too boring. But that's what's kind of funny to me is like it's one where hey, it's about you, the listener. What did you see with who would you pick? Like it's sort of the it puts it on them, and they were like, no, nah, that's not what I want to listen to on the internet. Fuck off. I'd rather hear your bullshit. Just. <laughs> <laughs> John Rennan, I am reading a few things into. I haven't actually read the responses we got, so maybe they're very impassioned, and I'll feel silly for that. Just as I shazammed. John Renninger writes, John Renninger says, <laughs> he wrote that, since I already feel like I get to go to movies with the most fun living people by listening to this podcast. Aww. See? Aww. I feel like that's what people think I was fishing for, but I hope they don't think that. Um, you should have said me for every choice. Like, that's what they'll think I meant. I thought I'd pick people from the past and take them to movies I'm looking forward to in the future. <laughs> See, Tommy broke it the most. Yeah. And I'm still fine with it. The first and best pick would be, yeah. Well, you know, that's what I thought would be the fun part. Um... But even I didn't really. The first and best pick would be to go see Terry Gilliam's The Man Who Killed Don Quixote with Orson Welles. See, that's a good one, right? Even though it doesn't exist yet in the movie. 
I'd, yeah, I'd be happy to talk to the move to Orson Welles about the movie after seeing it. I wouldn't care if I saw it with him necessarily. But yeah, I'd good take, one. I'd take Cervantes. See, <laughs> it's the new game is you have to one up the. I would take Rosinante. Is that too obscure? Fuck, why? No, yes. Right. What? <laughs> is it some opera bullshit? No, it's, I, the, it's Don Quixote's horse. I'd take Sancho Paza and just make him uh, park my car. Now, Dingus, I already went way wow. more obscure than Sancho Panza. Come on. All right, sorry. It's the name of his horse. Wait, say the, say the horse's name. Rosinante. Hmm. What's that mean? Red. Red. Nante. It means no worries. All right. Dingus is going to be silly, which is not what I want to do. <laughs> this stage of my life. I hang out with him for his Bradbury-esque reminiscences on autumn leaves. Not fucking comedy chisms. No offense, things. Hope that didn't come out wrong. John Renninger continues. It would be great to get to talk with Mr. Wells about almost anything, but especially this movie since he was not able to complete Donkey. I understand why he picked it. Don't patronize me, bastard. By the way, online there's a uh, there's an interview between Orson Wells and H.G. Wells. Did you know that? Like. Like, they talked right before Susan came. But they don't say anything very interesting. It's just more that it exists is interesting. Back to John Renninger. Next, I take Humphrey Bogart to Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. What? What's The Irishman? I don't even know what that is. Martin Scorsese's The Irishman? I don't know it myself, yeah. I I'd love to know what he thinks of De Niro and Pesci compared to Cagney and Edward G. Robinson. Is the Irishman uh, the name in John Renninger's country for Goodfellas? Or Pesci? <laughs> Who's the Irishman? Michael Collins. Is there a movie? I have no it's idea what so, that but is. But he says Martin Scorsese's. All right. I have no idea what that is. It doesn't exist yet. It's a new movie that we haven't oh, seen. It's, oh, that's right. He's, he he's talking about said, movies in the future. All right. Yeah. Sorry. We forgot what you said two seconds ago. Sorry, John. And now you have to listen to us go, what? Huh? <laughs> Lastly, I would go with Dean Martin to see Oceans 8. I'm not even sure an even-numbered Oceans movie will be good, but it seems like it has a great cast. I'd love to get a drink with Dino afterward and discuss it. See? That's correct. I'd see. That's the thing. All mine are like. I sort of want to punish the person. Like I'd want to go with Dean Martin to see Ocean's Twelve and go look how stupid that Julia Roberts joke is. Like that's like if in your Ocean's Eleven, someone like, look that guy looks like Dean Martin. No, but that's kind of an inspired choice because of the. Uh, I don't know what I would imagine the inherent. Uh, period misogyny that he would be bringing to the table. No, he'd like he likes dames. He'd just be hitting yeah. on them. <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't want them to be in charge, does he? But would they want to sleep with? No, but he doesn't. He doesn't want to be in charge. He just wants to drink, hang mm-hmm. out. That's the beauty of Dean Martin, isn't it? He doesn't no. give a shit. He barely even gives. A, he does. He's barely not barely awake. He just goes on stage and drinks, and it works. Okay. Tom sounds underwhelmed. Tom I doesn't don't. approve of substance abuse in his comic artists. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know Dean Martin if I had to pick him out in a lineup. What? 
Really? Why would I know who Dean Martin is? I mean, I know who okay, he is, but why I would I know what he looks like? Lawson? Because well, he looks... You saw Cannonball Run. Eh, not really. You've, you've watched all the he's, Jerry Lewis movies. He's the white one. <laughs> Cannonball Run. See, I know not, Jerry Lewis from uh, from King of Comedy. That's all. That's the only reason I know who Jerry is. Oh, right. And I guess telethons. But has Dean Martin been in any modern movies? Or did he die? He died, and wasn't in a lot of modern movies. Yeah, but yeah, I just—you just get a mental picture of him just instantly. And I can't say that about a, like that's how people talk about Frank Sinatra. But Dean Martin—I mean, I know just what Frank Sinatra. Cigarette. Okay, right. guy who's smoking a cigarette. Okay. Yeah, and he's short, and he's got blue eyes, and he seems kind of like he's going to punch you, but charmingly. Uh, all right. And Dean go. Martin's just going to like throw up on you charmingly. Oh wait, Dean Martin is Dean Martin's not going to punch me. No, Sinatra's going to punch me. Okay, I thought you're talking. I thought you're trying to describe That's Dean Martin. What are those spy movies? No, he's in the Matt Helm movies that are so. Kelly, when I wasn't born in 1940, I don't know these things. <laughs> well, then why do I know him? I wasn't born in 1940. You apparently like old, outdated things. That's my grandpa thing, and you like opera, which to me is even weirder than what I like. <laughs> like you're weird. Opera's timeless. <laughs> old movies are old. I'm singing my tragedy in Italian. They want I didn't know you were a baritone. Uh, I sat on them by accident, so now I'm a soprano. Mm. Chris Webb writes, I'm not going to bore anyone by picking non-famous people, and I'm also taking you three off my own table. <laughs> Maybe I'll do you guys on the forum. Uh, so here's two choices without <laughs> explanations. Hooray. See, I like that. Right to the point, Tom. Why can't you be more like Chris Webb? God. Number three, I like it because we'll have to figure out why he picked them. Even though I said, okay, number three, the movie, Spring Breakers, the person, (laughs) Charles Bukowski. That's a great one. Oh, I like it. You don't need to explain it. That's a great, uh, see, Tom, do you understand why that's fun? Or do you still... Or do you still like you have your uh, fingers in your ears and you're like, Mr. Bukowski, can you please be quiet? I'm trying to like take I, notes for my I would, exam. I would talk to Bukowski afterwards. I would talk to Bukowski after any movie. Like about yeah. Spring Breakers, or would you go? No, I rather. I don't you. understand why Spring Breakers is like. I don't. I don't. Why Spring Breakers and Bukowski? Because there's a lot of alcohol and ladies and like. Uh, I think there's better movies if that was what you were going for than Spring Breakers, right? He wouldn't think that. Why not 22 Jump Street? Or the Rugrats movie? No. I'm worried. He, that's the thing. 22 Jump Street, I'd be worried, that, like, what you were saying, like, he wouldn't be enjoying it. Like, he wouldn't think it's funny. And maybe and he'd have to I'd, I'd love to hear him funny. trash it. I think it'd be great to hear Bukowski trash 22 Jump Street. Sign me up. But he'd just zone out during Spring Breakers, and you know it'd be in a good way. Like, he'd just go, oh, didn't Franco already say Spring Break? Didn't he say that five minutes ago? He said, um, when, remember those uh, cable channels in the 70s? The first ones ever were called um, On TV and Select TV and the Z Channel. And it was like a big thing. Do you remember those times? Uh, I don't know that we got those in Arkansas. Really? Oh, I don't know. I know, was, I know HBO. It was so. like pre HBO. It was like the first HBO. Okay. And, um, and Bukowski got, one of them, it was the Z channel, which was kind of the artsy, cool one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and my dad had he made spy satellites. We had like this fake antenna. And we'd get it for free, but the you'd had to like <laughs> stand on the roof sometimes. Anyway, long story short, uh, Eraserhead was on Z Channel like the first night Bukowski got it. And he's like, ah, oh, this is great. Z Channel rules. Fucking this is the way to watch movies. And then he goes, and we, nothing good was ever on it ever again. Like, and then he like turned on it. I'm like, fuck movies. Movies suck. So like Eraserhead was his only pleasant experience. Number two, the movie Tree of Life. The person, Thomas Wolf, not Tom Wolf. I don't know <laughs> what that means. He's talking about not Bonfire of the Bandies one, but the... Uh, Homeward Angel? Yeah. Oh, all right. Thank you. Number and one. Not, to, not Tobias Wolf. Who's that? Is that the Basketball Diaries guy? Maybe not. And not uh, the Fountain, Tom. <laughs> what, the the, who's the Tobias from the uh, Arrested Development? Tobias Funke. Yeah. Funke. Yeah. He survived Infinity War. <laughs> Number one, the movie Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. The person, Bailey, <laughs> Kelly Wad and Drag. Okay, oh fine. You need to rip out my heart and throw me in fire if you have to. See, the chick in that's white, though, so that might annoy her. Runner up, the, the movie The Fountain. The person, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Get it? He's torturing her. Just like Hitchcock wants. Oh, God, Mark Hudson, you fucker. <laughs> oh, my God. What I don't is know it if a I wall can of sex? It's a wall. <laughs> and it's so nice. I'm really torn. And we're so... We've been talking for three hours, right? We can't do it. I hope it's all anime. Please let it be anime. No, it's nice. We should just... Can we just print the letter in the column or something? It's really long. Can you thumbnail it? I'll I'll start and then you can you can do a gong show on me. No, you no, I, that's a bad idea. You guys will just let me talk. We trust you. Chris is gonna enjoy hearing whatever you read. Just do it. I know, but that's not he's the good, issue. He's a good dude. Just read whatever. <sighs> Tom's quiet, guardedly quiet, <laughs> ominous. Chris Markardson. Patron saying on the podcast writes, hey guys, my number three and number two picks are me wishing I could have seen a certain movie, a certain person. Their was a little different. Sorry, Kelly. Number three, here's a quote. Shut up. I want, want to see the movie Ali with Tom Chick. How loud was the movie? <laughs> the line is shut up, fool, by the way. Yeah. He Canadianized it. Shut up, fool. I love, I love how black people say fool. How loud was the baby? How belligerent was the shut up? How effusive was the applause from the crowd? How loud was the what? How loud was the baby? Say like, it differently. What, um, How loud was the baby? Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. See, when I have to read things aloud, I forget who I am. I know. It's, it's difficult. Cold readings are hard. Keep going. Did Tom give the crowd a knowing nod of the nod? A nod of the head? <laughs> I'm the dumb one, not Chris Markinson. Tom, give the crowd a knowing nod of the head to acknowledge the applause. <laughs> I think he took a bow. Who knows? If I would have been there, I would know. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, that's my favorite part of that. 
<laughs> Number two, an iconic moment that was even turned into a Kelly one tagline. I would have loved to have watched Star Trek with Dingus to both see and hear him rise from his seat, pump his fist and exclaim, nice, to be there with Dingus. Probably would have knowingly created movie podcast history would have been pretty special. What part are you denying? Because Tom even... I remember the part of the movie, and it's really dumb. It's a really dumb choice to say nice during, and that's why it's famous. Because it wasn't even that nice. What were you going to say? <laughs> I didn't stand up and pump my fist. That never what? happened. All right, you sound like uh, Michael Cohen. <laughs> and Giuliani put together. No offense. Tom's not into them physically, so he can laugh. <laughs> Number one. All right. Uh, I don't know, dude. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. It's just, it's not that it's long. It's that it's too complimentary to, to me and us. And it makes me feel weird reading it. Number one. So I'd like to watch Paranorman with Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, Ed Norton's Hulk. <laughs> That's not complimentary to me. You jerk. Gal Gadot, a tearful Stanley, Dingus standing up, pumping his fist, saying noise. Kiernan leaning over and saying, he's my Aunt May. Bailing and Costner turning to dust. Jaden, sadly, not turning to dust. And Warren Beatty for Avengers, Infinity War. <laughs> he wants to watch Paranorman with them. Just to reiterate that part. Indiana Jones, Dolph Lundgren, and Warren Beatty from Death of Stalin. Dingus standing up, pumping his fist, scraping his palm with his other hand from Quiet Place. Meryl Streep humming. James Cameron, Ridley Scott, Jaden shuddering, frothing at the mouth. Vikander from Ready Player One. Jeff Bridges, corpse decomposing. Kevin Spacey booing. Terry Gilliam and Woody Allen from 12 Monkeys. Bubbles from The Wire. <laughs> John Voight and a guy from Crystal Dynamics from Tomb Raider. A nine-year-old from Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle. George Lucas. Jackson the Green Robot. Uh, it's Jackson the Green Rabbit. <laughs> Sweet look what, rabbit. Look what he did, dingus. Elodine Foster and Dr. Ebizan from Star Wars Last Jedi. Spelled correctly. The Wonder Twins and Naked Stanley from Justice League. A Warner Brothers executive booing. A German girl cosplaying as the little girl in Adventures and Babysitting was obsessed with Thor. Tom, Superman. A German girl cosplaying as one of Odin's Ravens. Stan Lee from Thor Ragnarok. Dingus standing up and saying knives. Justin Lin, James Wan. Human Centipede. A guy with a bucket on his head being dragged away from Jigsaw. Jack Reacher. Lee <laughs> Rara. The low bush of the basket. The director of the movie. Dingus who says, it's not nice, it's snow. Edward James almost wearing a hat and a trench coat, handing Tom an origami Ridley Scott alien, the author of the books, and Ryan Gosling from The Snow, Harrison Ford, Paul Dano, Jennifer Lawrence from Blade Runner, 2049, Jaden, Ed Helms, and Tom, who stands up and says nice for American Maid, Jaden, Dick Van Dyke, Matthew Vaughn, Dingus standing up and saying Carbon Knight from Kingsman, The Golden Circle, Ansel Elgort, a priest, Jaden, and Aronofsky from Mother, an English professor, and Tom from Wind River, Dingus standing, pumping his fist and saying bile. Tom giggling and replacing Dingus's diary with fake vomit. A bowl of grits from Logan Lucky. A shot, a shot man in a trench coat. Microfilm. Jaden Dingus, a silencer from Atomic Blonde. Jaden Dingus, a dome from the Dark Tower. The head of the Statue of Liberty. Thomas says something interminable about Vinyan. Worshiping <laughs> an atom bomb. Dingus scowling, rolling his eyes and saying, yeah, yeah, ice. From more of the Planet of the Apes. The German audience from Wonder Woman. Sitting around Kelly One, cheering and clapping excitedly. A German girl who says, finally something for us. Dingus standing, pumping his fist and saying, Fleiss, the greatest generation veteran in a wheelchair. A British soldier with mutton chops, firing a mortar from Dunkirk. A crying Martian from Mission to Mars. Gary Oldman's fifth element character in Quato from Valerian. A German guy in coveralls. Dingus standing up, pumping his fist and saying, Nice, from Spider-Man Homecoming. A German girl in Wonder Woman cosplay from Wonder Woman. The seat beside Kelly Wan, transforming into Dingus, who stands up and pumps his fist and says, Mechanized. Michael Bay, 
nerds hooping excitedly at the thought of eggs from Transformers the last night. A mummy standing up, pumping its fist and saying, Nile. Tom Cruise, an Egyptian eating popcorn. Dingus standing up, pumping his fist and saying, Old Spice. Moses playing Christian Bale and a stargate, a mummy. Grizzly Adams, top of the hazmat suit. From Z for Zachariah, from The Survivalist. Dingus standing up, sighing and starting to watch Redline on his phone. Tom saying the picture isn't blurry. Dingus sitting outside, <laughs> glumly while muttering stripe. Miyazaki, Dingus watching the Zabruder film on continuous loop. Dingus writing on a post-it, why isn't this in the trash from Rock and Rule? Vikander's Zik- ex-machina character from Ghost in the Shell. Dingus leaning over and whispering from life. <laughs> An Asian girl cosplaying as Kelly Wan, William Hung, Britney Spears, Dingus standing up and watching Fifty Shades Darker on his phone, and ScarJo from Redline, Liam Neeson, Charles Grodin, Jaden, and Godski from Kong Skull Island, Dingus standing up and saying, Nick Zima from Logan, a nine-year-old Batman Lego movie, a dead guard, Dingus standing up and shooting someone in the leg, a gun, and Dingus standing up pumping his fist and saying, lights, from John Wick Chapter 2, the Hamburglar from The Founder, Dingus staying seated. Brie Larson, Winstead, Elisha Cuthbert, the girl from The Divide, Dread, Adrian Brody wearing the chicken suit from The Village, a plastic plant, the grandpa from The Visit, Tom and Max Landis from Split, the jump scare, Len Weissman, Dinkus standing up, pumping his fist and saying, Dice, from Resident Evil, the final chapter. A German frat boy, and Dinkus standing up and saying, Twice, from Triple X, The Return of Xander Cage, Cameron from Ferris Bueller. And Waldolf monster calls. Dingus sitting by Kelly Wan as Kelly Wan stands up and says, nice. Gus Van Sant, Pete Townsend from Moonlight. Dingus standing up and saying, nice. The Christmas special, Admiral Motti, George Lucas from Star Wars Rogue One. Tom Willis, who was the neighbor on the Jeffersons. Jaden Spike Lee from Loving. Cormac playing Sudoku. And Ed Harris in black from Hell or High Water. William Hugg standing Spike Lee from The Handmaiden. An astral form, Professor X and the Hulk from Doctor Strange. The asteroid from Armageddon. The accountant, Sandra Bullock in a spacesuit, floating away from Kelly Wan as she tries to grab the seat rest from Desierto. Brian Austin Green from American Honey. Aiden Quinn, SOS written on the sand. Princess Leah, Bernie's corpse from Swiss Army Man. Spike Lee on a mule. And Cormac from The Magnificent Seven. Michael Mann smoking. Mechanic from Triple Nine. Kristen Scott Thomas. D.H. Lawrence from The Light Between Oceans. Danny Trejo's Best from Mechanic Resurrection. Bob Barker. John LaCar. A. From Jason Bourne. A Warner Brothers executive sighs and shoots himself. Jesse Eisenberg. David Ayers. And Dingus Stanekman saying Slice from Suicide Squad. The internet troll wearing a shirt that shows white boobs with a red circle and line through it, along with the words ghost busting and vaginas don't mix in my estimation. Ivan Reitman in a t-shirt that says, I also directed Legal Eagles, Spider-Man's Uncle Ben, Judge Reinhold sitting next to Rick Moranis, Chevy Chase from Ghostbusters, and O.J. Jurr in a Star Trek uniform, Arnie in his Mr. Freeze costume standing up to dig us and saying, nice, from Star Trek Beyond. Marathon Man, Lawrence Olivier from Green Room, Doug Hanning, Christian Bale from Now You See Me Too, Will Smith from Independence Day Resurgence, Yodorowsky, Camille Paglia, Paul Verhoeven, Lena Dunham, Vincent Gallo, and Liv from the Neon Demon, Vin Diesel, Scowling Warhammer Protester, Tolkien Skeleton, Spinning Under its Tombstone from Warcraft, Mel Gibson dressed as an Aztec priest from Embrace the Serpent. There's another uh, four pages. What? <laughs> wow. How many pages was that? That was half of it. That was in- – I, I, was he trolling you, like expecting that you wouldn't read it? Mel Gibson dresses an Aztec priest from Brace the Serpent. Kelly Wan's audience. Dingus <laughs> and Zack Snyder from American 
Civil War, a push me, pull you, the train from Zootopia, Princess Leia, Margaret Thatcher from The Lobster, Jacob's Ladder, and Body Snatcher, Sutherland from They Look Like People, Warner Brothers exec Kinberg, The Letter X, Modoc Hovering, Biotron, and Johnny Depp Miserable in his Mad Hatter costume from X-Men Apocalypse, Bruce Willis, A Loser, An Empty Seat, and Frank Lloyd Wright from High Rise, An Empty Theater from Huntsman Winter War. What? A joystick standing in the seat, and Olga Kurilenko from Hardcore Henry, Princess Leia and a nine-year-old from Zootopia, Princess Leia's hologram, Cher, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer from The Witch, The Girls from Sucker Punch, Princess Leia and Stan Lee from Batman vs. Superman, Princess Leia, Cloverfield from Ten Feet, Ryan Sorbet, Van Affleck, Dingers, Dingus stands up again, Eli Roth, Rosa Warren Beatty, Kermit and Skulls, General Leah, Bay Ling, decapitated corpse written plastic, Amber Heard and Al Pacino holding an orange from Black Mass, Tom Wan and Cindy Abacote to Germany, Bradbury, James Bond nerd, Grace Jones, Christopher Nolan from Spectre, James Franco, Simon Game from Jobs, Galactus from Fantastic Four, Rebecca Ferguson's gown from Man from Uncle, Jackie Gleason from Cop Car, A Ticking Potato from 71, Peter Gray's Grave, <laughs> John Woo from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Chaka and Michael Crichton's body suspended in amber from Jurassic World, Kelly Wan's dick from Closer to God, Dr. What? Silverman from Terminator Genesis, <laughs> the nerds around Kelly Wan from Ant-Man, the fault line running through the seat beside Kelly Wan and a Richter scale from San Andreas, a T-pin, what? And a German kid robot sitting next to him from Tomorrowland. A German sitting in front of Kelly One leaps to his feet and says, Noisenzy. And a German who looks at Kelly One from Jury Road. The little German inside Kelly One from True Story. The Watcher from Avengers Ultron. A burning woman from Maps of the Stars. A nine-year-old Mexican God's kids, nine-year-old. Another nine-year-old Korean nine-year-old Inherent Vice. A synthesizer. A capsized truck from Most Violent Year. A nine-year-old. A handheld camera from Nightcrawler, a gun from John Wick, a strip of Fox, Transformers, a feral nine-year-old, a boomeranger, the rover, another nine-year-old, the ten from 22 Upstate, nine-year-old, Edge of Tomorrow, nine-year-old, X-Men Days, County, nine-year-old, an octogenarian pop car enthusiast from American Hustle, Kelly One Seekman from Fast Virginia 6, an 11-year-old from Good Dead, Die Hard, a five-year-old from Man with Iron Fist, and finally I would lean over to the empty seat between myself and Kelly One and tell him these are all the people and things he's watched movies with. Thanks so much for fun, guys. Chris. That was better than anything Charles Bukowski has written. What? Wow. That was impressive. Uh, I didn't read it right. Let me start over. An anchor. <laughs> Dingus. Bay Ling. Robert Howard. Uh, should we just print the letter? Or will it just be like printing the Bible? It might, yeah. It might just have to exist in oral tradition, Kelly Wand. Oh, I know how you like that. <laughs> All right, well, that's like Markinson. That's like Markinson did a uh, synopsis of five years of the podcast. He really did. <laughs> he really See what did. happens he when we get people. Damn those Canadians! All wow. right, well, uh, Dingus, what are you going to do for a three by three to rival that kind of response? Ooh. Your your three favorite uh, scenes on buses. <laughs> The perfect follow-up to what just happened. Okay. Hang on, I better write this down. Good luck with that. Do you have um, questions, Kelly Wand? Is it pretty straightforward? So, by bus, uh, can the bus be big? Does it have to be a certain size? Does it have to no, be short? I just mean bus boys. Okay, here, let me write this down. Uh, Dingus, what if people have ideas about scenes uh, on buses? Does a bus stop count as a bus? You're going to have to make that choice for yourself, Kelly. Okay, let me write this down. I cannot cannot choose that for you. So if you have a a favorite scene uh, 
from a movie that takes place on a bus. Uh, originally, I had this topic uh, idea that was much broader, uh, but I decided to narrow it just to buses. Uh, please write into 3 by 3 at quarter2three.com. That's 3x3 at quarter2three.com, all spelled out. And uh, send us any of your ideas, any of your choices for scenes that take place on a bus or buses in movies. And that will be uh, highlighted uh, after – I don't know what – have we even determined what the date is? Yeah, make sure to get that to us by midnight, May 27th. We'll read those on the air. Well, your scenes on buses. Also, next week we are seeing Isle of Dogs, the Wes Anderson one, not the one that's older. Uh, And if you have any thoughts about Isle of Dogs, also send those to 3x3 at quarter3.com. Get us that by midnight, May 13th. We'd be happy to uh, include your comments, your thoughts on the podcast. So uh, join us for Isle of Dogs. We'll talk buses at the end of the month. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Mukowski. It's Christian Murawski or Charles Bukowski. I'm not sure which. And Kelly Wand. I should have just said dead people you want to watch a movie with. One, two, three, not only you and me. Got 180 degrees when I'm caught in between. Counting one, two, three, feet apart, Jesus frees you. I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, yes, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Hey, Dingus, how about three movies you don't want to see with anyone, don't want to see a movie with people? Hey, Dingus, what about if you see a not movie with the people, who would you movie with, with them? Please, please. My my favorite movie, my father's favorite movie. That would be Groundhog Day. You guys. Cannon fodder. As Joe was going to do earlier. <laughs> <laughs>